0: Hey, Michael! What? Are you excited? For what? Only the second best remake of the 80s ever.
1: Yeah. What are we talking about?
0: I say second because the first one is the thing. The first best is the Uh, thing. See, I'm
1: always tortured. Second best. We, we, We discussed this on the Fly episode where I'm tortured by the perfect trilogy of remakes of the 80s, The Thing, The Fly, and The Blob. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a face, you could look it in the eye. If it had a body... You could shoot it. Now, man is no longer the
0: supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass.
1: Nobody believes me about what happened tonight.
0: What did happen? I want that organism alive. I think you pissed it off. The
1: blob. Terror has no shape which is what we're going to discuss, but I can never tell. It, yeah. it, it, every time I watch one of them, I go, oh, this is the best of the three. Then I'll watch The Thing. I go, oh, this is the best of three. Then The Fly. Damn it, this <laughs> is the best of three. I can't make up my mind.
0: <laughs> okay, real quick, before we get into The Blob, I really think it's The Thing, The Blob, The Fly. Man. Especially since The Thing and The Blob don't really have stupid, smart characters.
1: They also don't have a mullet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Remember on our Fly episode, we dug in kind of not mean-spirited, but we weren't really gentle with it, about how dumb the scientists were and their motivations and all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I think that actually harms the movie to me, and makes it lesser. And so what it is to me is like it's a a spectacle best. It's not a story best.
1: Okay, so yeah, I guess... Oh, man, this will always be one of these questions. I can't figure out so I guess for the moment we'll say yes the thing is probably the best because it's every single moment of it is perfect yes. there, there are moments of the blob I'm not talking about the special effects because you can only do what you can do at that time yeah yeah but
0: still special effects are almost immaculate yeah they're so good. there's only
1: like one sequence where you're like oh yeah that's most definitely a miniature that's uh some uh reverse what do you call that reverse projection, Rare projection. rear projection
0: but there are they also did some uh green screen or blue screen yeah but but uh,
1: that was obvious but you know there's so many things in this movie that go right, that you're stunned that this bombed. This and the thing bombed. You look at it now going, what the hell were people thinking? But...
0: Yeah, this is also, of the three, this is the one that doesn't get as acclaim as No, yet. it
1: doesn't. This is the kind of movie that Columbia Pictures has no respect for. They licensed out the Blu-ray because they didn't... Twilight yeah, Time. Yeah, they didn't think it was and worth their time. And now it's super
0: expensive and I can't uh, get it. Yeah. So I had to wrangle this <sighs> to watch it yeah. as high def as I could. And I don't really want to do that with things that I so support. And I really do... Twilight twilight time
1: this. it's not twilight time's fault so much that i don't know if it's part of their license that they can only put out a certain amount of them but these resellers they'll buy up all the copies within the first 25 hours so you can't get a blu-ray of it and then you see it on ebay the next day instead of being 24.99 yeah 50 then 75 then 100 you know they also have the fright night blu-ray which i'm desperate yeah, to get I remember. But it also is like 150 bucks
0: it's ridiculous resellers are, are yeah, jerks i don't
1: like them all right so let's get into the movie this have you seen the original? Yeah. With Steve McQueen. And it's a movie of its time. There's nothing really wrong with it, but there is a camp kind of quality to it that you kind of look back going, oh, that's. Oh, cool.
0: I wouldn't call it camp. Remember, camp is like stage musical style y things. Like, um, the shook up shopping cart is campy. Well, what does Uncle Cedric look
1: like? Well, he's a shopping cart, you know, chromium finish, and his right front wheel, it's sort of wobbly.
0: A shopping cart? Even though that's not a real thing. I would say it's more cheese. Honestly, cheesy, corny. Even though Criterion put out a disc of it and it's one of their immaculate crown jewel discs, it's still a cheesy sci-fi movie, but it's solid all the way. That's the original. You'll
1: never see Beware the Blob, the somewhat comedic (laughs) sequel with Larry Hagerman anywhere. I don't think it's even on DVD.
0: Yep but I believe it is on YouTube.
1: So it makes sense with so many years between the original and no one paid attention to the sequel and with special effects bonanza. I mean, everybody was like, every year some new level was hit in special effects. They saw that, okay, well, you know, The Fly was a big hit and that's based on an old movie. You know, Studio heads not very creative. They're usually just like, well, what else is, okay, well, we'll do the blob. And the good part is that they hired two guys who clearly loved the concept, the idea, but not so much in love with it that they went down. Divert a little bit from the original. I think something... Okay, we- wait. Let's get
0: into the original real quick. The original storyline is just a meteor from outer space does the typical hits earth thing and then from within it comes the goo which turns into a gianter goo after it eats a person and just gets bigger and bigger. It's like a giant amoeba. This one changes that for the better. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I was thinking... It seems like they did a lot of scientific studies if this was possible. How could it get at its victims? What makes up the properties of this creature? it's done with a lot of intelligence. We're not just talking about the characters. You can take something fantastic, something unreal, but if you play by a certain set of rules, it all makes sense. Because clearly this creature isn't a real thing. It doesn't exist in our universe. But if you were to present it to the audience, you have to set up a certain amount of rules for it all to fit. And these guys, they almost build up a mythos of this creature without saying too much.
0: Right. It's world building is what you're talking about. You establish your rules for this universe, and if you break those rules, it makes it less believable. And I don't think they broke the rules here. And that makes it all the more believable. I think that's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, the great thing about all monster villains that really stick out in your mind is they have the certain rules. You know, the vampires, werewolves, zombies, they all have a certain pattern that they have to follow. If you're going to defeat this creature, how do you do it? And they also have this with the blob. The one major rule is that it can't get near anything cold, because that's its one weakness. Whereas, like, with the thing, it had aversion to fire. It
0: had an aversion to heat, and it preferred to be frozen so it can be thawed out again and devour whatever unthaws him. That's what its plan was at yeah, the end Yeah, and
1: that's the I think that's why I like monster movies better than like slasher movies, because there's really no rules to slasher movies. It's just a dude with whatever sharp object he has nearby him, hacking up stupid teenagers.
0: Well, it is the morality rule with Sometimes.
1: Those. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance,
0: if you do drugs, you get killed. If you have sex, you get killed. If you uh, have a bad attitude. Now, you get it's, killed you, now that you, if you're, yeah. you know, so... Well, now
1: on. that you've said this, this brings up the twist in the movie is that... Yeah. You think that the good kid and the good girl are your protagonists. And all of a sudden... And the, you're, you're kind of right. And it pulls it out under you. You're like, hold on, the, the guy who's kind of a dick is the hero?
0: <laughs> yeah, the the jerk kid. The ever-punchable Kevin Dillon. I just want to divert for a second and say, those two boys, the, the Dillon brothers, even if one's more handsome than the next... They're just so punchable in every <laughs> role that you just like, oh, I don't care if you're in drugstore cowboy, punch you in the face. I don't care if you're in over, punch you in the face. Kevin Dillon, punch you. I don't, but, I don't have this with Kevin. Matt, Dillon, I definitely
1: have it with Kevin. Every time I see him, even when he's the hero, you're just like, could you just go away? You're <laughs> could you just, your bad attitude. Stop trying to be
0: sarcastic. Just stop it. Just shut up. The men from Gladiator are showing us how to keep our leftovers fresh. Yeah. But then he character wise and it's organic and it's fluid how he just turns into the hero or one half of the hero yeah. group.
1: Well the funny thing is he doesn't seem like a bad kid. He seems like the kind of kid who maybe his father was a drunk. You know he He's the wrong side of the tracks Wrong side kid. of the tracks kind of kid. You know it's just because of where he was born or how much money he makes all of a sudden in other people's eyes uh, he's a loser. Uh, well he he's obviously hit
0: criminal. Juvie. That was mentioned during earlier on. The sheriff's like, you're gonna be 18 soon, so no more juvie
1: for you. So he was an act-out kid.
0: That. Acting out doesn't mean you're a bad kid. It means you're acting out. No. So. And
1: They're smart enough to set up immediately that he's a guy who cares. Even though everybody else treats him like crap, he's a guy who cares because yeah. when the homeless guy gets it on his hand, he could have just run in the opposite direction. You know, like, I don't care. I'm not dealing with this. I mean, you're just a bum. No, he actually steps up and he takes him to the hospital. And and
0: here's the other thing. The conservative kid the good kid, Donathan Leach, is like, Black! What'd you do to him? Yeah, I'm not the one who bounced him off my car, Yeah, right. You ran him in the middle of the road. It's the assumption that the bad kid, who is not the bad kid, is bad and all that.
1: And that Paul, who's supposed to be the good guy, is actually judgmental. He has no real evidence to start blaming him, but yet he just jumps the gun like that. Which,
0: world building wise, as they established earlier, the kid has a bad reputation. So, it's not a logical leap. You don't get upset when you go, like,
1: Paul, what are you doing? Stop assuming that he did that. You're like, oh, they know each other. They go way back. Yeah. yeah, there's. A little... It's not. I, I hate movies when they act like they've been best friends forever, but you can clearly see there's no history at all. This makes sense in the context. They're probably guys who run into each other in school, yeah. like eh, once or twice a week. There might be like kind of a uh, shoulder get check, away from me, yeah. Dude, or yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. they don't hate each other, they don't bully each other, but every once in a while, he has to remind him that he's a dick, you know. Yeah. And the other guy reminds him that he's poor.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's really cool. But also at the same time, Paul isn't like it's just between him and Prime Flag. Flag. Uh, so. Paul and Flag are, are like button heads, but Paul is still being responsible and helping the homeless guy too when they take him to the hospital. And the girlfriend is in tow, Shawnee Smith. Oh.
1: Shawnee Smith. <laughs> oh, boy. God. I got real quiet there. I started thinking of summer school the first time I saw her, and I was like, it took me years to figure out she was the same person because, you know, you're so used to seeing her pregnant in summer school and you're a kid. And you, you know how in your brain you lock in a certain vision of a person, especially the first time you see them? It's like, that's how they always are. <laughs> and you're like, is that the same actress? And someone goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the lady on Becker.
0: Yeah, well, she has, at times, some of the worst hair in this movie.
1: Woo! It's crimped, isn't it?
0: No, it's not crimped. No, but it is, it's is—it's oh. blow-dried to all brittleness. It's not crimped,
1: though. Let's just say this right now. The hair in this movie definitely dates it. And it's pretty much the only thing that really dates it. It's just, yep, that was the hair to everybody's wearing then. Yikes. Yeah,
0: and nobody uses cell phones, obviously. It made in 1988. So, but the fashions, Yeah particularly her fashions because all the dudes are wearing um letterman's jackets or leather jackets unless they're adults then they're working adults clothes and
1: stuff. Oh, speaking of oh my god every time i watch this movie there's a moment that just kills me it's with art lafleur who is a character actor who did a bunch of stuff during the 80s but um when he is a pharmacist and they come to get condoms oh uh, look pal give me a pack of trojans and a banaca spray scott jesky reverend how are you? I haven't seen you at the Sunday services lately. Oh, you want yeah, the ribbed well, I, or the regular? Ribbed. I, I guess it, they're, they're not for me. They're for my friend. Oh. There's this 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 sort of naive girl that he's planning on. Uh, well, you know. And uh, I, I, I I insisted that he take precautions. <laughs> Why doesn't he pay for them? I had to drag him down here as it is. I mean, the guy is totally irresponsible. Hey, come on, Scott. What's the holdup? I can't keep this girl waiting. Boy doesn't need condoms. He needs a muzzle. And then fast yeah. forward five minutes later when uh, his buddy, Paul is going dude, to pick up Shawnee's friend. friend. Yeah. And that is actually
0: a slasher rule, by the way. One, this kid buys condoms and says that it's for Paul. They're actually just for him because he obviously is the one that has his eye on the naive girl played by Erica Eleniak. Yeah. And his plan is to take her out to oh, yeah, the uh, makeout, lookout, lover's lane place and get her drunk and then do rapey things as if that's the way to do it man this guy's awful this guy's the worst so this is this is literally the slasher rule the one moment in this movie that has a slasher rule where you're like yeah get rid of that guy
1: that guy uh his best friend is played by ricky golden he is on an episode of 21 jump street around this time where he's this rich kid who smokes crack and he dies halfway through the episode and in the back of my mind i'm like yeah that's what you didn't apply
0: (laughs) yeah well the dad at the same time as this scene is happening shawnee smith's dad is that pharmacist who sold the condoms to him so when paul comes to pick her up the dad meets him and thinks it's It's a situational situational comedy situation 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 sort of thing um But then it cuts back and then the blob in this movie isn't in one place at one time. It can split off. And that's really interesting too. Yeah. Because.
1: But you're also missing his, my favorite line from him is ribbed. I wonder how many takes he had to do that. Or did he get it on the first take? He just knew to give like a silent beat and ribbed. Yeah. He
0: basically tries to have sex with her while she's asleep.
1: And he yeah, grabs
0: at her boob and her boob attacks him. The, the, <laughs> well, what's inside of her? Yeah. attacks him. You're right. This is the only it's, moment
1: of the movie that is uh, almost straight out of a Friday the Thirteenth movie. It's all of a sudden the characters mm-hmm. are are a little stupid. You don't like them. You want to see them killed. And there always seems these moments where they're out in the middle of nowhere in a car and they do something. You know, something like you know, like the way he does with the alcohol. Well, it's
0: an awesome. It's an awesome payoff moment.
1: Yeah, but it's uh, you always wait it for it. Really You're is. like, oh, this is the part where Jason would come around the corner and put him a. Shedding his head After finding out She's already been murdered You know And uh, it's It's kind of like that It's a
0: filmmaker's Subversiveness as well Because in the Jason movies They would show some nudity They would show boobs Actually being fondled And oogled And it would be exploitation And here Erica is laying there He reaches into her blouse We don't glimpse Boob Maybe cleavage But we don't glimpse Any nudity What happens immediately At that point Is justice Yeah Basically He gets overtaken By the blob that rips out of her. Unfortunately, she had to die for this scene to work. Not Erika Leniak, but the character. Do
1: you think a lot of these special effects were reversed? Mm. Because that scene right there, it seems like it was the only way to really get that to work was to cover him first and pull back. Oh no, no one, because then he would look weird because he would look like wet Puppetry, maybe? Puppetry? It it would
0: be puppetry. It would have to.
1: Yeah, you'd have like little the arms or whatever that would be holding certain chunks of the blob and forcing it at him. This is one of those movies where the special effects are so complicated. really hard to figure out. I pretty much figured out everything in The Thing and The Fly, but The Blob still leaves me with a head scratcher. I don't know why I keep breaking down movies like this, why I can't just sit there and watch them. I've gotten to the point now I'm like, how did they make this? How did they do this?
0: Well, here's one of the big things about The Blob in this. It's not a big glob of polymer or putty or even strawberry jam that they might have used in previous movies. It is something that's organic looking it looks like membrane it has veins it's translucent it's fleshy it looks like an organ but it keeps growing and it's totally bizarre how the guys did this and i'm confused i know some things how they did it especially when they get into the cold areas i understand that that's just probably some sort of latex or plastic or something right. but when it's drooping around the this is sad too. the phone booth with one lady that we totally do not want her to die no she's the waitress she's awesome she's a really great character so is the sheriff that scene has the reveal and then the kill almost at once and it's just ah painful you
1: have to say that this movie has more balls than any horror movie i think i've ever seen it sets a tone almost immediately by taking out two of the major characters two of the people you are convinced from the get-go and any other movie would probably have them at least three quarters of the movie no they wipe them out in the first half hour and you're like i thought these guys were like the support they spend time
0: with them you get to know them you
1: you care about Yeah, and when they die, it hurts when you see them go, because you cared. You wanted Yeah,
0: especially so that they can go on their date, because they're two slightly older folks, you know, in their late 30s, maybe. And they just kind of agreed to go on this date that night, and then she's calling for the sheriff, and then the blob drops around the phone booth. Now, special effects-wise, I have no idea what they use. It's not just your average He-Man slime gloop. It's got veins. It's got weight. It's got the real thing. It's, It's organic. Yeah, it
1: has the bits and pieces that it picked up along the way. Well, first off, they had to make the prop that goes inside the goo, and then cover it in the goo, and make it flow all together, and it's just, it's crazy design, but beyond that, you're right. We spend time with these characters. Here's the thing that Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell did when they wrote this script, is life exists before that. Yes. And life is expected to exist beyond the event. Yes. I mean, of course, these things don't happen. They don't go on their date, but people plan their lives more than you know what takes place during this small chunk of time. It's like, well, we have tomorrow we have next week and they're smart enough to treat their characters like true living people
0: yeah you're right and that's darabont i think really i think
1: yeah i would say it's weird chuck russell and darabont kind of split up after this uh they had done nightmare on Elm street dream warriors and then did this one and then they kind of went different directions chuck russell started doing more of the effects based movies you know the but also yeah
0: but they were also very light fair they didn't ever have this weight to it
1: ever again no no and then frank darabont got real heavy and he uh, had you know, the weight.
0: Went even heavier than this. Like yeah, here, yeah. like I mean, we said, you hurt when those two characters died.
1: And, and Jeffrey DeMunn. This is, I think, the first time they worked together. But I think ever since they've done every Frank Darabont movie, seems to somehow Had drop him. Jeffrey yeah. DeMunn into it. Uh, sadly, Candy Clark. I haven't seen her in a long time. Uh, I mean, I've seen her in real life actually. She was at the car show that I went to a couple years ago oh, on neat. the Seaside. Uh, every summer she'll do those car shows because you know of American Graffiti, and you see her all the time. I oh, told she, her. I, didn't, how I great. didn't know she was in American Graffiti. I feel like a Dingleberry because I'm like 10 feet from her and at no point did I go... I know you weren't in the blob very long, but you were fantastic. You sold that performance and made that movie so much richer because of it. Right. In this movie,
0: actually, the leads, sadly, aren't the best leads there are. They're not, no. I, in, fa- in fact, Paul is better than Kevin Dillon, if you really look at it. Donovan Leach. But he's taken out early. Yeah. So they use him totally appropriately. Again, like they use those other two actors. But that only elevates... Our leads here
1: yeah it also elevates the fear yes. you know taking out the supports taking out who you thought was a the lead They even take out kids in this movie you're like what
0: oh yeah they take out the little brother's best friend it's a tough thing to do when you're making a movie to kill a kid yeah it is on camera
1: it's hard to do that tastefully and they handled it correctly so it wasn't exploitive that it enhanced right. the story because most of the time when kids die it's alluded to or it's taken off screen like with it. It's kind of alluded to. You see the before and the after. You don't actually see the act itself. In this one you pretty much see the act face front. I mean, isn't he like grabbed in the sewers and then thrusted towards the camera?
0: Holy crap. It does the thing at first where it's off camera, you think. It grabs the kid, takes him underwater and there's a beat. Boosh! When it jumps out of the water and attacks the girl. And That's where we actually see the damage that was done to the kid and then it pulls him again.
1: Um, It's just... uh, Yeah, it's bored line exploitive but somehow he just pulls back just no enough. it's not exploitive yeah.
0: it's it's perfect exploitation would would be like a trauma movie yeah
1: oh yeah they, they, they would sit like, there and like well we spent the money on the gore effect sit there for a while and, and then let, let's indulge ourselves in it no it's to set what can be done you have to truly understand i don't
0: think there's anything exploitive out of no, this no. and also, did you notice Bill Mosley's in this?
1: I, okay, I had to look this up because someone had said that, and I was like, I don't remember him being in this. Just like Army of Darkness. I didn't remember him being in Army of Darkness, and you have to look at it and you go... God, Bigelow
0: Wilson, how do we get out of here? We're trying to scream. Inside, trying to scream. Listen to me! How do we get out of here? Listen huh? to me! Brian, he's hurt!
1: Uh, 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 oh, yeah, okay. Like, he's barely in it. When the
0: blob starts... Going. When it starts going, and starts attacking people. Scientists and military show up. No one had a chance to call them. The sheriff has just been killed. So that's fishy. Yeah. The scientists, they know something already. They're behind this. It's a more of a conspiracy angle. But in real life, people think that our military and their scientists are making germs that can survive space and then become stronger and virulent and then they can drop them on people in foreign wars and no one would be the wiser and it's you know it's horrible but that's the motivation here and when that happened, we were watching it the other night, and I forgot that it wasn't just a meteor. Because at the beginning, they don't show you the satellite. They show you just the chunk. So when that reveal happened, it was like, it
1: brand new to me. And I
0: was like, what?
1: <laughs> and it's funny that the, the guy in charge of this is Joe Seneca, who, for me, most of the time you see him, he was always like the wise old man you yeah. know, in the old folks' home. Yep. Or yep. he's in uh, Crossroads, I believe, where he's the wise guitar player who sold his soul to the devil, yep. and he's trying to teach his kid to go the right way. You know, he was that kind of actor and to see him with like this vindictive twist you're like this is brilliant casting oh
0: he plays it exactly like you just said at first See to the kids that way when they're interrogating the kids he's a very gentle nice old guy i'm dr meadows we're a government sanctioned biological containment team
1: biological containment
0: we're microbe hunters young lady and then later on, our hero figures it out by eavesdropping. Inadvertently, he doesn't mean to eavesdrop, but he, he stumbles upon them talking rather candidly about their plans. We suspected that conditions in space would have a mutating effect on bacteria. But this, its activity must be through the satellite out of orbit. Correct. Our little experimental virus seems to have grown up into a plasmic life form that hunts its prey. Predator. It's fantastic. Sir, the organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. This will put U.S. defense years ahead of the Russians. You don't understand. At this rate, by next week, there may be no U.S. Nonsense. All we have to do is contain it properly. As far as the locals are concerned, this is simply a medical
1: quarantine. Nobody gets in
0: or out. It's totally a Cold War movie. It's the end of the Cold War. Which, that also dates...
1: Yeah, uh, I will say this. If you've ever reached, oh, 40 years old, which I'm on the verge of, and you sit there and go, oh, God, everything is over. I haven't made anything of my life. I have no career. You know, I'm too old to try this. Uh, I want to let you know that John Seneca didn't start acting until he was in his 50s, like 55. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't start acting until 1974 with the taking of Pelham 123. And, you know, he acted up until about 94, 95. So the last 20 years of his life was just about acting. Before that, he was in a band, he was so- uh, writing songs. And knows what before that there are people who have careers post 40 so don't get depressed people because there's an example for you yeah
0: thanks i'm 42 this year so
1: oh you're Uh not going you're not going anywhere don't don't lie to yourself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) such uh, a (laughs) (laughs) jerk
0: oh i think you might be right
1: There is an actor in this who is so insanely bizarre. He's only in a small chunk of it, but it's Del Close playing the preacher. And it's bizarro, his performance, and I I just love every second of it. That
0: is also the thing that leaves it open for a possible sequel. But since this movie tanked, no sequel. Yeah. Wait, actually, I have an objection in this movie. Not the hairdos, not the maybe possible blue screens. It's a little too obvious. Not the sweater that she wears and she borrows from her mother. Why her teen? girls in the 80s so intent on looking like their moms. I don't get it. But it is that they didn't establish the preacher character as a nefarious preacher character.
1: Like it just comes out of nowhere? Yeah,
0: he was not this preacher character that had already, and maybe it was deleted scenes, maybe they couldn't put it in there, maybe it was in previous scripts and they had to rewrite it and take it out. It wasn't established that he was a fire and brimstone, book of revelation, rapture kind of guy. It was just a one comment. This
1: has all been prophesied.
0: But it needed to be established beforehand. Like you said, everybody had a life before this movie existed. So that's my only objection is that they didn't like establish him like passing out a flyer that said the end is near or something. Do
1: you know who Del Close is at all? I've been hearing stories about him recently I did some research on him. He was a major teacher at Second City but towards the end of his life he was a big stage actor so he did a lot of Shakespeare and he said that he wanted to play Yorick eventually. Yorick in Hamlet. York. York is a dead character. He He's- wanted to play the skull. Yes. So when he died he donated his skull to the theater. So whenever they do Hamlet on stage at, at this theater they use his skull
0: oh that is brilliant
1: that's <laughs> crazy so he'll always be somehow in the acting world even in the afterlife
0: that is brilliant and creepy and awesome <laughs> and much respect to that guy Holy!
1: This movie's littered with great character actors. It really is a shame that it bombed. And the only reasoning I can see that it bombed is this is during the heyday when all the horror movies were going towards oh, uh, wise-assery. They, they, wise, uh, you know. they were dying.
0: All the horror movies were dying. It's the first death of horror, I think.
1: Yeah, it was the next year. 1989 was the year everything collapsed. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween all collapsed. Everything was being and, shipped
0: off the cable or uh, straight right. to video. It was all bad bad. Like, Empire had tanked earlier. All these companies that were putting out really crazy, interesting things were dead now.
1: Do you know why all those companies collapsed? No. The story behind that is the fact that this big banker guy had bought MGM but didn't tell the bank that had loaned him the money to buy it that they had no catalog. The catalog had been bought by Ted Turner, and, you know, he, he colorized everything, and sent it over to his. MGM was just a shell. So when the bankers found out about this, they loaned out this money to a guy who was never going to be able to repay it. They shut him down. And they decided in order to make up all that loss, they're going to take the catalog from all the other companies that they had loaned money to. They had loaned money to Canon, Empire Pictures, Transworld. There's like five or six companies around that time that all collapsed and it was because they needed the catalog. So they said, well, you guys are late with your loans, so we're taking back your companies. All those companies shut down within a year of each other. And that's why now you see a lot of those people under the MGM label. Oh. You had all these like small budget, adventure, whole or stuff that the studios weren't paying attention to dried out by 1991
0: yeah and if they were being put out it was just shuffled off to vhs before yeah yeah
1: and you know and i think that people had realized that uh, horror movies were no longer scary uh they were more like the chucky the the nightmare on elm street uh shocker you know everybody with one-liners and gore and somehow the blob was lost in the shuffle a maybe it didn't appeal to kids because they thought oh that's campy and two there's no wise-ass jokes it's just it's a full-on just yeah,
0: Yes, you're right. There are no wise-ass jokes. Even though Kevin Dillon tries his darndest to be a wise-ass every time he says a zinger. It's not even that it's bad writing. It's good writing. And it's possibly good performance. I'm not dissing him. I'm just saying, kid, shut the hell up. That's dumb. (laughs) They're not
1: like those puns. You're
0: not cool for saying that. You think you are, but you just sound like an idiot. And I think that's good writing (laughs) and good performance. Yeah,
1: it's realistic in the fact that not everything that comes out of someone's mouth, especially if they're the hero, is going to be the, oh, he's a cool guy, kind of thing. You know,
0: Even though he's desperately trying to be the cool guy.
1: This is so part of that era where everybody was trying to copy those James Bond, Schwarzenegger, shitty one-liners, you know? where it's like oh someone gets stuck with a harpoon he's like uh stuck it to him you know something's incredibly lame oh
0: right 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 oh stick around yeah Yeah.
1: something terrible so at least at least this movie never attempts anything like that and thank god for that
0: but i am gonna say again you want to write a strong female character just write a strong character that happens to be a female yeah because that's what you got in this movie all over the place shawnee smith our, our lady that gets taken out earlier in the film the waitress oh yeah, my candy, god candy clark they're just they're just well written characters who yeah. have strength and it doesn't matter what gender they are
1: is this the last movie of the era where it was set in those little town squares it seems like there was like eh, eight to ten movies during the 80s it always seemed to end up at the town square and in my mind the perfect neighborhood looks like that and i keep forgetting that's a universal backlot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is a universal backlot. it's funny oh my gosh i think it's lent from stephen king's writing his small town thing yeah
1: well he did that and also because of back to the future that that set was reused over and over for like monster squad and
0: yeah but if you watch a lot of these movies as a kid even if you just watched them in passing when we're younger it's now in our memory as if it's a real thing also a side note I think Joe Dante might be responsible for that really cool curio shop that doesn't exist that I want desperately to exist yeah
1: I every town I move to I get instant depression because I can't find a town that looks like the ones in the movies I grew up with right
0: you're super bummed
1: (laughs) it's terrible I think I need to get therapy go down
0: to Pasadena you'll find the one in Halloween
1: yeah there's actually one by napa it's called sonoma and uh they shot part of scream there the rest was in santa rosa but sonoma actually looks almost to the t like that kind of town it's just if you want to live there it's going to cost you eh, you'll never stop working
0: you know what else was shot in the universal town square what's that the thing the what the thing
1: it was shot in a backlash? yes it, I thought it was shot on location. No, uh, only, only
0: sh- bits and pieces, dude. Only the stuff that okay. is necessary to look like actual snow.
1: Okay, because I remember listening to the commentary track on the thing, and they said, well, we had to trek up this huge road or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, well, I guess, I guess that's part. True. You're right. See, you're right. Parts of yeah. it.
0: My dad and I took a day at Universal Studios, and they just drove us around, and they're like...
1: The thing was shot right over there.
0: <laughs> and I was like... I never would have guessed it, ever. And also, the Gilmore Girls is being shot right there right now.
1: What? What? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> what? the, the thing more girls the girls are now surviving in their small town fighting the alien race
0: thing more girls uh, the that would be let's watch that let's let's make that story i don't
1: know let's combine all let's combine all those like old like family dramas with horror movies <laughs> this just <is> terrible <laughs> eight aliens is enough oh no stop it fuller haunted house no yeah no stop it <laughs> no more <laughs> I can't I can't think of anymore. I'm not that smart. I'm trying to like I'm going through like perfect strangers. <laughs> like I'm going through all the TGIF shows step by step to murder. Perfect Strangers already sounds like it's a scary story. Perfect Strangers. I think there's a Larry Cohen movie called Perfect Strangers. Uh, so uh,
0: just to be clear, you don't really have any insight on how they did the blob special effects other than the
1: No, I haven't I have a like, clue. It's perplexed me. If you can't afford the Blu-ray, which is insanely cost, uh it, there is a four pack out there that columbia pictures put out you can still get it for like 10 bucks it has fright night christine the blob and seventh sign you know, you may... Yeah,
0: well, what, Seventh Sign, come on. Do
1: you like that one? But, and
0: it's a DVD. Yeah,
1: I actually haven't it's seen... It's not a Blu-ray. I haven't seen it's Seventh Sign in forever. DVD. So you're just talking four really good horror movies for ten bucks. Mm. Go, go, if you haven't seen... Seventh
0: that, Sign isn't really good, it's confusing, and in. Oh, okay. okay, I lied not about really,
1: that one, alright? I don't remember that movie, I just remember just the other three.
0: It's a Revelation, Rapture type movie. But the other three, hell, yeah, those are great. Yeah. But, I, I I want a Blu-ray, man.
1: I know, I know. They should give it to the people, man. We want it. Obviously, we want it if it sells out so fast. What is Columbia Pictures' problem? Just at least don't license it out to a limited edition, like, that low. Like, they only sold, like, oh, this one's only 500 copies. Well, this one's only 750. You know, there's horror fans are ravenous for content. Uh, Do what Shout Factory does. Yeah. They don't make limited editions. No, they they do. They'll do a
0: limited edition, but it's a special package with an extra disc or content. Oh, well, that, yeah. And then they'll do, like, everybody else. Gets one too, because you obviously you're not the crazy nerd guy that is desperate <laughs> to have the extra disc.
1: Why Why is it always the good movies that are like the limited edition? Why isn't there like Howling 3? There's like 12 copies we can't sell. There, there's, <laughs> We only made 12. <laughs> we sold one to the director. What, don't you like marsupial werewolves?
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I think I might do that on What Did We Just Watch as well.
1: <laughs> oh, it gets crazier. In order for your, what's your other show again? What did we just watch? What Did We Just Watch? Now, do you watch... Terrible movies, or do you just watch head scratcher movies? Because there's a couple of the Howling movies that are just truly hideous garbage. It's
0: it's a combination. It yeah. can be a terrible movie,
1: like because the second one is terrible, but it's crazy entertaining. The seventh one is awful. Like
0: coming up sometime, I have Teen Witch. Teen Witch. Yeah, nope. Teen Witch is a terrible movie. Yeah. It's also a it's also a head scratcher. Yeah, I don't so. understand the
1: rapping, the rapping scene.
0: Yeah, but earlier on, I had Naked Lunch, which is a head-scratcher David Cronenberg thing. So it it can go from art house... To lowest of lowbrow, and I ch- really don't want to touch trauma stuff. Yeah, not really. We, so we, I don't really want to get that low. That's more. That's but more of can,
1: the spinoff, the trash cinema spinoff, because we did Toxic Avenger. Yeah. So
0: you guys have that. Take it. Yeah. Enjoy your terrible B movie. So I, I will dip my toe in a terrible B movie world. Yeah. Every once in a while. So,
1: uh, to make it clear, this is the show that we created a uh, what year and a half ago, but we find ourselves sometimes overloaded with other things, so it's hard for you and I to get together to do an episode. So I have guessed come on sometimes. We have like our own little spin-off show which is uh, The Good, The Bad, The What? Or <laughs> it's where we discuss like the best and the worst and the craziest of someone's filmography. We've done Right, you just did Rutger Hauer, right? Which is the most popular of all of them. I kept saying to my co-host, Jacob, I was like, no, no one cares about Rutger Hauer. They only like the first few things that he did. No, out of the four that we've done so far, it's the most successful and I was surprised. I guess he has a cult following. We also have Franchise Frenzy where I will discuss every entry of a certain franchise With someone Like Police Academy uh, Someday I will Torture myself With the latter half Of that franchise Better
0: you than me Honestly Yeah
1: so we did The House franchise Last year That kind of kicked it off But most of these Are filler episodes They're not legit Video night episodes It's legit when it's You and I
0: Yeah The episodes that You and I do Have a specific sound A specific way It's edited And all that stuff
1: Right I'm lazy And I don't have Any talent for editing And you do So (laughs) Well oh thank you So we also know That people are hungry For content and we can't just give them one episode a month or two Because that's usually how we work So yes, there is filler stuff there But, you know, we're getting really We're almost to 100 likes on Facebook Which I know sounds minuscule to most people <laughs> But 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 uh, I'm actually really grateful that we have as many So we're going to start getting some other guests on the show Yeah, we're, It's it's starting to get some word of mouth People are starting to come to the show So thank you everybody for your support uh, Check us out on Facebook under Video Nights And I guess they um, be excellent to each other Yeah,
0: uh, don't touch meteorite goo if you ever stumble upon a meteorite just don't touch the goo that's so yeah do find the blob do watch and enjoy the blob you millennials might think it's corny but it's not it is
1: yeah but you millennials like all that pg-13 studio safe crap
0: and you'll just watch just just to see the special effects even
1: and i know how to end this episode with a uh, good boy
0: <laughs> ciao everybody i
1: can't make up my
0: mind Hello, welcome to Video Night. I'm Andrew. This is Michael. He's making all weird little noises because we're covering the remake of The Fly.
1: Dr. Seth Brundle's brilliant invention goes horribly wrong and two beings merge into one. The Fly. Rated R. Yes, it's a 30th anniversary and i guess we'll discuss the sequel while we're at it but there's one thing i want to mention before we get started here is people are constantly saying that remakes suck that they're pointless cash-ins and they're never as good as the originals and if you look at the late 70s but they're
0: they're absolutely right and they're absolutely wrong
1: yeah well i'm just saying there's a there's at least a handful i would say it kind of began with the 78 invasion of the body snatchers is a really great remake in fact i think it's yes. the best one of those there's been four body snatcher movies i think that's my favorite one but then you have yeah. the thing which we discussed on the last episode right this week we'll be discussing the fly and in the future we'll be discussing the blob yep and those four were treated with so much respect i don't think that it was a studio decision i think it was people who grew up with the original that had so much love for it they're the ones who brought it to the studio and they said cool, cool. Whereas now, it feels like a lot of it is just a studio head saying, okay, what do we have in our catalog, or what have we uh, acquired?
0: That's at least 10 years old. Yeah,
1: and what have we acquired? Cabin Fever is getting remade. It's already remade. I know, I know, and I've heard I, it's a 0% on Rotten
0: Tomatoes. I, I don't, and it's produced, and there's a new angle to No, it's just straightforward. It's no weirdness, no kitsch. It's just, it's... Why are you remaking that?
1: Yeah, I don't understand. If
0: anything, remake it in 30 years.
1: There's two reasons to remake a movie. It's either to update it in some way, you know, uh, update the special effects or make the story more modern and, uh, you know, try to add whatever's going on in our world now into that story. Or B, you have somebody who just absolutely adores a movie that will treat it with so much love that when they bring it to a new generation, you know, it allows them to love that, but also go back and watch the original and... And I feel like a lot of that's not being met now. Now it's just about, okay, so let's make it PG-13, grab a bunch of kids from the CW, and uh, make it for $5 million, and, and go!
0: Aren't you talking about the fog? Because that was the I'm talking about the fog. That was the fog that you just fully described the fog don't even say because that was a good I actually one. like
1: i like and that was a fresh spin on it yeah i like that one yeah nightmare on elm street was awful a lot of these they yeah. they skip the r rating they just go this is a marketable name that's all they want they want the marketable name the concept and then they just go whatever they don't understand what's what now but, yeah
0: then in 1986 78886 when was it, was the fly 88 it, well, right
1: well yeah it's a 30th anniversary so it's 86
0: 86 you're right i'm stupid i don't know how to count it's 1 1582 no I can't see. I can't count. Um, <laughs> so the problem, what we have now, is just trying to hit a demographic. But what was happening then is, is there was none of that marketing. Who were they going for? They were going for 38-year-old actors. They weren't going for children act or children who look like adults who would right. more likely be in adult films if they weren't on WB or CW actors.
1: Before it was the CW kids. It was the WB, and it would combine with UPN to form a super network with all superheroes. Shows, which are pretty awesome, actually. But you digress. <laughs> I digress. This is the era of special effects wizards. We're talking practical effects before digital effects took over. These guys were rock stars, man. They were the metal gods of movies, and, and they had such a fanatical following, you could just name the guy doing the special effects, and you would show up to that movie. And now you combine with the growing talents of Chris Wallace with David Cronenberg, who was out of Canada doing these little movies and slowly building himself up you know, through scanners, video Rome, dead zone and this was his like big show this is the one that really i think is still his most successful movie and successful it, i think it's my favorite film of his. it's
0: not i think dead ringers didn't dead ringers get an academy award somewhere? some
1: way this is true i just meant like financially i think yeah, it okay. made more money than dead no ringers. i get
0: what you're saying yeah i think if you say the fly to anybody of a certain age i don't think children understand the fly at all like you know no no. They have to go and discover the fly now, which is cool. But, well, actually, let's
1: get into the thing.
0: Not the thing, but the, fly. Yeah, the Let's get into the story. <laughs> this fly is totally different than the other flies. Have
1: you seen the original flies? We're,
0: we're watching it. No, 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 no. That one's a mystery. It takes so long. That one's totally a mystery, uh... and it has this cool mysteriousness to it. And this movie doesn't at all. has no mystery to it. This movie has... Okay, I have a problem with this movie, and that is the characters are all idiots for being so brilliant.
1: Yeah, there are some moments I'm like, um, why are you saying this out loud? Why are you? What's with the exposition? <laughs> why are you saying
0: things that you don't need to say? It's it's not just that. It's it's what the actors, not the actors, what the characters do. All right, so you have brilliant scientist who meets a hot lady reporter for some. Omni-type magazine. She has just gotten out of a relationship with the editor who she works for at the magazine. She's at this party for scientists because they have really rich people scientist parties. And she meets Jeff Goldblum, and Jeff Goldblum's like, I have the biggest, coolest, awesome thing. What am I working on? Uh, I'm working on something that'll change the world and human life as we know it.
1: Change it a lot or just a bit? You'll have to be more specific.
0: What, do you want me to be specific here in this room with... uh half the scientific community of north america eavesdropping
1: is there another way oh you could come back to my lab i don't know you be sure duh
0: Well, well, she she doesn't want to. She walks away. Yeah. She thinks he's a blowhard, like he's like I guess, hot air.
1: Well, let's just say this. The 80s seems to be a lot safer than it is now. I think people would be like, hell no, I'll bring a group with me or something as protection, but I'm not going straight to your <laughs>
0: foot. <laughs> well, it's it's not even like a, a sexy time, s- scary thing. It's just the intensity of his delivery there totally sends up red flags. It's like Cronenberg said, okay, Jeff, remember how you were in Buckaroo Bonsai, which was safe? and careful and inquisitive. Well, only keep the inquisitive and go kind of, what's the word? Creepy creepy. Yeah. Intense and creepy. Uh, uh,
1: uh, okay, I can do that. Any other aspect, he would be viewed as a serial killer. Yeah. yeah he's viewed as like a serial killer type in, in his mannerisms. It's very strange. Like, you, you expect any second now he's gonna be wearing her face as a mask. Well,
0: he shows her the experiment, or parts of the experiment, and then she starts to record, and he's like,
1: what, 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 what? No, no,
0: no, 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 you can't. Why? He knew that she was report. See, this is... This is like stupid part one. He does this whole, like, yeah. it goes on. Her ex is the pinnacle of sexual harassment in the office place. What about sex? Yeah, I'm not saying love or affection, just stress relieving sex. You and me.
1: You're disgusting. By the way, John Getz, I'm a huge fan of John Getz, but he is, like, kind of typecast as the tool. He is in a lot of movies as a massive jerk. Yep,
0: you're right, but here he's, like, super douche. And he's not the bad guy. No. He's he's Well, that makes him a complex and possibly a realistic character, but he's not the bad guy, even though he's terrible.
1: Yeah, there's a moment where he loses it halfway through, and you're just like, this guy is a complete douchebag, and all of a sudden he kind of flips. the first couple times I saw this, I was like, that just seems like the kind of padding you need for a character, just so people understand why he survived. Sure. But I actually thought about it again this last time I watched it, and I go, oh, he's like a normal human being. There's a lot of assholes out in the world, but there are moments where we become like the kind of person we need to be, and he becomes that person, that heroic moment where he does what any other person would do in a dire situation he would choose the right thing but
0: uh, the fly dude the experiment goes awry he gets a fly stuck in a pod and in a fit of jealous drunken not even rage he just gets into the pod and goes she's working for her old boyfriend now she runs out late at night to see him i'm catching on i'm catching on as the general said there's nothing i'd ask you to do that i wouldn't do myself boys what are we waiting for? Let's do it. And he does it. It's supposed to be teleporting himself from one pod to the next. And when he gets teleported, there was a fly in the pod that he was originally in, and it combined his DNA. Then he becomes a superhero.
1: Superhero? No, I think that's the second movie. The first one, he's not really a superhero.
0: No, what I mean is it's a comic book superhero origin story. Uh, okay. Except he doesn't become a superhero. They go the opposite way and make him a monster.
1: Now, do you think that he is an impulsive character that has controlled himself, and, and the alcohol allowed him to lower that barrier? Or do you think think that this was an improper moment by writing that sequence in because he seems like a a very conflicted character throughout the whole movie but the way that he talks about how he wears the same thing every day so he doesn't have to waste time thinking about it he seems like the kind of guy that would be very cold and calculated with that kind of decision and for him just to drink a little bit and go yeah screw it i'll do it myself do you think that's out of character
0: yeah oh well sort of he's okay for one I don't understand the casting of the virgin scientist, which they kind of make him be. Like, he doesn't understand how to be around ladies. Uh-huh. If he's a virgin or not. And he's statuesque. His physique is amazing. It's Jeff Goldblum's face, so you... You might think that's attractive or not. Yeah. I'm not going to decide for you. But Uh overall, he's a pretty great looking dude. Yet he's like weird around ladies. Just weird, right?
1: Yeah, which is weird because he has that magnetism. He has that way of talking to Gina Davis. Like he understands how to talk to women. So that's kind of odd.
0: It is odd. So then he gets like weird and jealous as like, I have never had a girlfriend before. And this is my first girlfriend. Then she's talking to an ex-boyfriend of hers. I'm super jealous. I'm going to drink. I guess that's human... This is what I'm saying though these wise science people aren't wise at all they're just smart none of them are wise except
1: for gets eventually Yeah do you think it's strange that he does mention to go back to the thing about the clothes he doesn't want to waste time thinking about what to wear but he clearly goes to the gym he he stops everything he's doing to go to the gym at least for an hour a day to keep that physique going that seems like it would get in the way of his <laughs> his concentration Oh have you ever worked out intensely like the way I mean you've seen those pets? See, he obviously does a lot of bench presses. You do a lot of bench presses, guess what happens after that? Or push-ups, uh, you can't think straight. The oxygen is kind of like, eh, 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 you Oh, know? you're dopey. You got the yeah.
0: dopamine going on. As Schwarzenegger said, he gets it from the ladies and he gets it from the gym.
1: So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. He, yeah you know so that's a little bit of a conflict he looks great on screen but when you balance it out with what kind of character he is i'm not sure that works
0: hey it could just simply be genetics i know somebody who was like that and he never worked out and we're like huh. dude and he's a ladies man also see this is the thing my friend is a ladies man and he looked really fit and he was pretty much fit but it was genetics yeah, he didn't work
1: out. What was it? Dana Gould said. Uh, he said, "I could work out all day long every day, and I'd still be built like a bag of walnuts." <laughs> <laughs> some people have it; some people don't. I love Dana Gould, and he loves these old kinds
0: of creepy movies. Yeah. which is cool. So uh, this, but
1: we're we're kind of we're kind of uh, tearing this movie yeah, apart. Yeah, but we're I don't build mind. It let's, back up, let's do I it. love
0: this movie. Let's tear it apart. But it is a, a feat of body horror which is actually why everybody loves this i do not think they love this movie simply because of the characters and what their motivations are and what they decide to do I think they really go to this for the freak show.
1: It, well, there's a little bit, I felt this last time, being the age I am, I felt a little bit more of the Greek tragedy, you know, the, the, the romance that falls apart. It helps that Howard Shore's score is so bombastic, so huge, it makes you feel like you're watching an opera. But you watch them being torn apart. I do not feel at any moment that they actually love each other. That felt forced. Yeah. But when you see them tore apart, their reaction is like, was this a relationship that got edited out? Because well, I, I how missed long? the part. It was <laughs> an
0: hour and a half movie and I always thought it was longer. And their their close relationship spans about 30 minutes of it. And the rest of it is yeah. is damage control or trying to withstand that relationship. You're right, right. They don't love each other. It's it's a lust situation and a confusion situation if you're going by real life standards. And they didn't have time enough to figure out, I mean, okay, you can love anybody at the drop of a hat. You can. You can make the decision, I love that person, and that person can make the decision too. But then there's a whole lot of learning who each other are. I mean, there's a lot of uh, arranged marriages that are super strong today that they, at the onset of it, they had to decide if they were going to love the person or not. And if they did, they worked at it. This movie has hardly any working at it. It has all of the, I'm going to try to control her. Yes.
1: I'm going to try to control her. I can't. I'm leaving. No,
0: monster. (laughs) What? Look at, at me. I'm, I'm going to puke, puke on your
1: hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many things going on. It's about aging. It's about disease. It's about... Uh, I, in, in a weird way, what you just mentioned is also kind of a commentary on abusive relationships. You know, control freaks that can't let the other person in a relationship do what they need to do. They say it's about AIDS. And yeah, uh, David Cronenberg himself has said that he never intended it to be that way. It's just about disease, period. You know, cancer or whatever. But it was during that era when AIDS was everywhere. Everybody was talking about it nonstop. Okay. Episode.
0: We talked about this last time with The Thing. The right. Thing fits the AIDS metaphor perfectly, but it isn't about AIDS. Right. It just happens it's to be. It's actually
1: about Cold War
0: paranoia like the first one. Right. But oh, it's more really? of a commentary you mention about that? The Cold War. Did you not mention that no, in the last we didn't. episode?
1: Because I didn't even think about that. That it could be about, are you a Red? Are you a commie? No. It's
0: totally a Cold War paranoia film like the first one, also like The Body Snatchers. And it's more of a commentary on. How crazy that has gone by the 80s. So this movie, though, I can't see the AIDS. It's just a, a monster movie. It's more about how alcoholism is or a de- chemical dependency, bad decisions, foolishness. You make a bad decision, and you know it's a bad decision, yet you keep going on it because it's your pride. Yeah. It's, it's all kinds of metaphors, but I don't really see the AIDS metaphor.
1: You know what? I actually, just you saying that right now made me reflect on the fact that you remember when he first becomes a fly, he becomes super strong. He feels alive. Yeah he feels like he's never been that healthy and happy before and it makes and the
0: only thing that looks wrong with him is his complexion on his cheeks and that
1: makes me think of the fact that cocaine was everywhere at the time this was written and yes that cocaine makes you feel like you're on cloud nine for a while but then you become an addict and it starts tearing your body apart and it seems like if anything it'd be a metaphor for that but you're right it's anything that you're addicted to that eventually turns on you also you know it, it still can be stood for any sort of disease that tears your body apart
0: yeah well the motivation for him to do this transport thing, there was nothing in the movie itself about finding a cure for anything, right? Right. Okay.
1: It was just about teleportation. Just about teleportation.
0: Yeah, so I do think the people of the time were actually looking for the metaphor of AIDS.
1: I will say that Jeff Goldblum's performance is off the chart. When he starts to become the fly, he goes to this other place that I don't think a lot of actors would have gone. They would have done it really hokey, or they wouldn't have been able to do that acting that he does when he becomes you know, like the little twitches and, and, and the behavior. And the fact that he has to act through all that makeup. There are so many layers towards the end that he's buried under. All right, let's do this. Because
0: you just explained something about him doing his choices. Uh, have you seen the movie Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yes, very much so. Jake Gyllenhaal does that kind of acting, but in a realistic setting. He twitches. He has a tick as a character. And at first, it's really distracting. In fact, it's all the way distracting. But it's distracting like if you met somebody who had these ticks. Oh, I've why met people you, like that. Why are you doing these tics? Yeah. Why is Why is your eye bugging out right now? So I think, Jake, let's let's uh, recast the movie for an audience now, and I think Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, let's grab somebody else. Um, Let's let's go out of the uh, normal realm. Who do you think would be Gina Davis?
0: How, how about, seriously, Rachel Mc... Oh,
1: you're on the same exact... I didn't want to say it. <laughs>
0: was... Oh, holy crap. The reason why is because, because she just now started... Doing Doing different, yeah, with true detective and Spotlight, which did or didn't succeed, whatever. I didn't see Spotlight, but she's just now doing different than her boilerplate. So I would say Rachel McAdams give her a shot, or at least a really good shot. Do a do like an extensive screen testing round. Do like five different screen tests to see if she can really handle it and bring more than Gina Davis, who is solid in the movie, but also the script needs a better rewrite. Yeah, in which their motivations are much more... Uh,
1: I would like the movie to be longer, but I know it won't. Here's the problem, is now I know if it's going to be remade, which they've been talking about, if it's going to be remade that they're going to make it shorter and faster and there won't be time. The reason the first movie works so much is because you do spend so much time waiting for the build-up. There's a slow yeah. burn the whole movie and now I, he'll probably turn the fly in the first 15 minutes, he'll be a big CGI monster for the next half hour and then they'll try to turn him back. Mm-hmm. And you know, Now who
0: would be the John Getz ex-boyfriend editor I wanted to go, co- I
1: wanted to go crazy here. This makes no sense, but the first name that popped in my head is John C. Riley, Because <laughs> 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 I've seen him do some dramatic work and I just thought that'd be like an insane choice. It makes no sense. I know I, this. I, I
0: suppose he could do it. I would imagine him also being bearded and New Yorkish. Yeah. Like New York college professor.
1: Yeah, and, and in fact maybe he used to teach Rachel McAdams when she was younger, like in school or, or she was like his assistant and kind of abused that relationship, like I'm your former boss, I'm your mentor, that kind Kind of thing. Yeah, and they don't yeah, even yeah, yeah, have yeah, yeah. to actually be in a sexual relationship at some point. He could have always just lusted after her, and she decided to go with him, and then that becomes a conflict between the two.
0: Yeah, so that works if we're using the same template as the eighty six. If we're using the other one, the other one is a mystery about the death of a man. And why did that happen? And then unfolds the experiment that turned him into a fly. Giant mutant oh, head!
1: I wonder how much that thing weighed. Yeah. That guy must have been in hell the whole movie. Like, oh, my neck is killing <laughs> me. Seriously, guys. Can, can we put a dummy in here or something? This thing weighs 80 pounds. Right. I don't know
0: if they had that foam stuff that they used. Who knows? That they use now. Yeah, so I, I recommend it. I do. I, I think it's a worth a watch,
1: but I, I still get scared. I still get scared. There's you, a sense of oh, really? there's a sense of dread building. It's not like your jump scare. It's one of those like this. In- pending doom thing that keeps building up and as you watch him fall apart there is a sadness I'm a, I'm I'm about to turn 40 and all I do is work with old people and I watch these people I mean myself I'm actually holding up pretty well for 39 yeah but when I watch them I start getting sad because I see I'm like at 70 we have an employee that's 94 and yet she still like works I'm like oh my god and she can barely move and talk and I think about that while I was watching the fly I think and just you know the people that fall apart and I, and I felt like the sadness underneath it all, and that's why the movie works so much better for me. The second movie...
0: Hush, little baby, don't be sad. You'll grow up to be like Dad. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Just because your dad was the fly. The fly, too. Like father, like son.
1: Rated R. I think it had potential. There's too many people involved in the writing, uh, and yeah, um, I I
0: don't. Uh, the, the second movie put me off. Velveta. Uh, off
1: Velveta. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when uh, Eric Stoltz starts to to turn into the son of the fly. Okay, Eric Stoltz okay. is born. There's a plot in the first movie in which there's a baby going to be born and he is actually that
1: offspring in the second movie. Oh, hey, this is something I want to say about the first movie real quick. Do you think it's weird that she was so hesitant to kill Jeff Goldblum at the end of the movie when there was like nothing left? He's just a glob. He is part of the machine. He's part fly. And he is a complete absolute mess. And, and he's trying to kill them all. And yet she's still I can't do it! I can't! I can't! I brains out! Rewind twice. Twenty minutes. Get this baby out of me. Get this baby out of me now. I don't care. You know, no emotion, no sadness about the abortion. Yet she is so hesitant to kill this blob that's in front of her, begging to die.
0: Yeah, maybe it's this. Maybe it's honestly this. She's willing to have somebody else take the monster baby out of her without her actually doing too much. They put her under, so she's not actually doing anything. She's just there. Somebody else does it and deals with it. And I'm not talking about women. I'm talking about this one character who is right. It it's about seven.
1: Separation okay. of herself from the situation because she will be under sedation when it happens. Whereas this is your face she first with the deal creature. she has with to do it, it
0: right there in front of her. This monster of a man that she got in a really strange relationship with. Like so many people, we don't want to deal with the problem head on. And I think maybe that just might be it.
1: Okay. Now, let's go back to the second movie. The baby is born. She dies. It is so disgusting when it's born. It's all like this weird cocoon thing. This is a special effects bonanza. Compared to the first movie, while the special effects were amazing, it was a slow build up to it. This is like every five minutes, you got that little moment of gore. I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's not every five minutes. No, but it's
0: not. But I, I it, can tell you, I never really actually liked the second one no not really it didn't have the same tone and didn't have it had the same production team i think the director is even this special effects director of right. the first movie well but,
1: it's it reeks of back bacon it is full-on canadian uh the scope isn't as big the score isn't as strong you feel clearly like if it were now it'd be a direct video sequel almost
0: yeah yeah actually that's true you're right that's probably why I don't really like it. And what put me off Velveeta, honestly, Velveeta might be fine or nacho cheese dip, whatever, might be fine on your food sometimes. But there's a scene when he's finally turning. He's in the cocoon. The cocoon is rupturing and the lighting is such that whatever the goo is that's spewing out of the cocoon, it's just bubbling and oozing and spitting. It looks like Velveeta cheese. It looks like warm Velveeta runny cheese just burbling, gurgling out of this <laughs> kitchen. Oh, gross. <laughs> so ever since I saw that movie, I was just like, no, thank you.
1: Uh, I actually saw this one first. I saw it on oh. I saw it on TV and then years later I went and saw the second one on video. This you have that, that, crazy
0: uh, backwards viewing habits. Well, you've no, do, no, no, you've no, done no. this so many times where you're like, "What?" Yeah, I saw the sequel but,
1: first. Well, <laughs> it just depends on what was on TV. My parents would not let me rent horror movies, yeah. so I would yeah, just I catch know, I know. Whenever you're
0: were... you're stuck with your surroundings, I get it. I yeah. totally get it. But man, you've done that the most of any person that I know, I think.
1: It's <laughs> weird so I went back and saw the first one but I've only seen this movie twice I saw it on TV and I saw it just now the scene that tears me apart and the reason I didn't go back and revisit the this for so long is the dog scene as you know I have a wonderful lovely dog and I've had dogs throughout my life and I'm um, a huge pet guy and the scene where the dog the golden retriever yeah and, and they do build up this scene you know showing him as a lonely kid in the lab who is actually quite good he is in that movie Cohen and Tate um, which I think only <laughs> I and the director have Seen?
0: <laughs> I've seen it. You made me watch it. Remember?
1: Okay, that's right. We discussed it. I forgot. Yeah. Um. And he's actually quite good in it. In his sympathy, and, and he really has that intelligence going throughout. You can see, like, that kid probably after he stopped acting, end up doing some seriously like good things, maybe in the science field. I don't know. I should look it up, see what he does now. Maybe he's a teacher or something. And the scene where he finally connects to the dogs in the lab, and then they use the dog in the experiment, and it doesn't go right, and it's all mutated and horrifying. And, uh, and that wrecked you. That's si-
0: this movie is your uh, where the red. Frame grows yeah it, uh, <laughs> I have where it, the red it, fern not... grows you have the fly too
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and people older than us have old yeller yeah there's a scene later when he grows up to be Eric Stoltz where he finds out the dog is still alive and these stupid asshole lab guys are just joking about it, it takes a lick and keeps on ticking and he finds the dog and, and, and there's so much sadness Eric Stoltz is a fantastic actor a lot of people say he's really bland and I think it's just because that's the roles that people give him he is a sweet nice guy from what you can I mean I've never met him but I what you see dude Dude,
0: the dude is in great pieces of art. Yeah. He does... He doesn't... He doesn't need to be in... I don't know. He doesn't need to make himself rubber-face type actor. Like, and I even include Tom Cruise in that rubber-faceness, you know, where he's just, like, really... He moves his face so much when he's intense. Yeah, yeah. The, he says...
1: He Eric Stoltz says a that. lot in his stillness. He's one of those few actors that can communicate by... by like you said, he's not moving uh, his body or his eyes or his face or whatever. He's it's how he says things it's how he looks at you yeah he has so much humanity in his roles and that's
0: the thing that's what he brings he brings a lot of humanity he ha- he and has played a villain he's a drug dealer in pulp fiction yeah, well, he's a guy who's overstayed his college life and he just keeps taking course after college course <laughs> and is a bartender and he's perfect in kicking yes and screaming kicking and screaming and is a
1: fantastic movie not a lot of people and that. he's
0: just like he's like a glorified cameo appearance in that but it's it's perfect yeah
1: but the scene where he to put the dog to sleep Um, You know, it's kind of controversial because he kills the dog but if you're a dog owner and you see it in so much pain you you truly understand if you have any sort of heart and sympathy for anything living if it's suffering so bad and there's no way to fix it there's no way to rectify it putting it out of its misery and he doesn't you know he doesn't bash its head in he just puts it to sleep and you can see that it's tearing him apart if you understand acting he's not doing like this big oh I want to win an Oscar kind of reaction he just is very calm and controlled and the pain is internal. And yep. that's that's what he kinda carries until about halfway through the movie where the fly thing really kicks in and, you know, then he becomes basically a comic book, uh, antihero. You know, the way like Werewolf by Night and Morbius are. He is almost straight out of a comic book in that last half hour.
0: Or the crappy remake of Earth versus
1: the Spider. That's a really obscure reference. Earth versus a spider. I've never seen this.
0: Dan Aykroyd is in the remake of that movie, and it is basically a retelling of Spider-Man. What if? Uh, So a guy, if he actually turned into a real crazy spider, spider, and he turns into this. Hideous, disgusting man, monster, spider. God, I can't believe and, you just
1: mentioned what if, because I, I, I picked up, this is a sidestep, I picked up at the local comic shop uh, a case of 100 comics for 25 bucks. They're all just like randoms, you know, no solid storylines, and I picked up a bunch of what ifs inside that box, and I'm like, my god, I forgot about these. I don't know if anybody remembered them, and you just said it!
0: Yeah, I, I remember them. I don't read them, but I, I like covers. I love Old covers, anyway, comic covers. If I could do anything comic, it would be covered. Yeah,
1: the people do that. People do that for a living.
0: Yep. So, um, in the fly, he's a fly, and in Earth versus uh, the giant spider or whatever it's called, Earth versus um,
1: Soup is my favorite spinoff of that. By the way, Soup. Earth versus Soup. <laughs> that's a mr science theater that's reference big bowl of soup <laughs> crow is trying to write uh i think earth versus the spider actually showed up on one of their episodes and he was trying to sell a script to a studio and it was called earth versus soup it's ridiculous <laughs> it well
0: yeah it's basically the same thing instead of spider-man he's running around um, being a spider man yeah it? yeah yeah. so and then um the fly, basically, the same thing. He's just like he's he's a sympathetic villain.
1: Well, and even the special effects are done in a way with all these little special highlights. They look special effectsy. You know what I mean? Like in the first movie, yeah. it looked like if this insane thing was going to happen, I can imagine it be that horrific. This, well, it's you know very what? I'll, I'll tell you about
0: the first one. There's some there's some puppeteering scenes in the first yeah. one that um, by 1993, when they did Alien Three, yeah. they had figured out ADI had figured out. A correct way of doing the stick puppeting to make the legs look more organic, like it's an actual thing, right. without making it look like it's a Muppet walking. In the first fly, there are a couple of Muppet walking scenes. It's just towards the end when he's a big monster. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Um, can you believe it mel brooks can i uh speaking of muppets mel brooks who was in the muppet movie i I, this is a weird uh connection sorry i'm forcing this uh he produced both of these (laughs) he produced both of the fly movies that's so strange and during the 80s he hardly made any movies but he was producing wait he he produced the second fly yeah it's still brooks films dude
0: when did that come out because i thought solar babies killed brooks films
1: um maybe i'm an idiot and i don't know what i'm talking about. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, maybe I am
1: uh, We're both idiots Yeah, well, anyway. he, he was experimenting in genre films You know, doing Elephant Man, the two fly movies And like you said, Solar Babies He was doing these oddball movies that were out of his normal realm And then just stopped I still think that he did movies in the 90s I think he did Chris Wallace's second movie I think it was called The, Vag- What's the Vagrant, I think <laughs> Oh, God Ugh You want
0: a movie to make you feel bad and gross, and icky, and you laugh strangely at it, watch The Vagrant.
1: There is nothing more exciting than that era of Bill Paxton movies of the late 80s, early 90s, because they were almost always bonkers. They they weren't good, for the most part, but they were strange and, got it. and off the wall.
0: I mean, you just heard my big guffaw at it. That was honest. That was really honest. So, so The Fly 2, you can skip it. You don't have to watch it. Um, it has some neat stuff in it, but if you really want to be turned off of your... Your molten cheeses. Don't watch
1: it. I still remember reading a Fangoria or as a Starlog, in 1993. It was the summer special, and in the news segment, they had Gina Davis is attached to Bad Moon and Flies, posted part three of the Fly series. And I was like, never gonna happen. (laughs) And it never did. And uh, Mario Hemingway ended up taking over on uh, Bad Moon. Oh, right, right. That was that Wolf movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A lot of people were Wolf. Horror wolf? It, Werewolf? It was a. Uh, oh, are you doing another mystery science theater reference? <laughs> I also no, I'm not. I saw
0: <laughs> No, I wasn't. I was just saying it's silly, like were and unaware. So wait, sorry. What
1: if the fly actually just bit somebody? It didn't pour acid on his face? Like born, you know, it was always barfing on people. Just like people love. It. Well, that's how it eats. I know, but, but people, you're
0: saying, does it transmit oh, its flyness oh, to it, somebody else? It,
1: it never, it never actually ate. Uh, it would barf on things. It's not like he ate John Getz's foot and hand. He would just barf on it and then it deteriorated people loved it like the one guy in the second we ripping his own face off now that's a an insane moment of special effects and as a, a fan of that kind of stuff i like that moment but uh, he never actually eats anybody but what if he just uh, just chomped down on somebody do you think that some of that dna or bacteria would we have a werefly
0: no because the only thing that we have transmittable like that are viruses we don't have dna transference <laughs>
1: Dang, I want Uh, want an army of
0: wereflies! That's ridiculous. But you can write some fake science into that yeah, and and maybe have a, a little a little radio play to make.
1: Speaking of, uh, IDW Comics put out uh, Flies 3. I don't think that's the title. But it is a continuation of the Fly 2 where the virus or something, the DNA inside um, the bad guy at the end who gets his swift justice. You know the one that gets all mutated into a ball of slime. Kay. Somehow his DNA gets put into a bunch of people and it becomes like an epidemic. I haven't read the comic but I just found out about it last night that if you're a fan of the movie no. Movies, go read that comic. Yep,
0: but it's never gonna be the same. You're gonna have to have moving pictures to be a good sequel.
1: Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Nope. Never gonna get it. Nope. <laughs> I'm not putting that. I'm whoa, not putting whoa, that whoa! In. You hate my singing. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it for us here at Video Night. Yep. Uh, this is Michael saying, "Be excellent to each other." And, and me saying, "Yeah, see ya." <laughs> that's it. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye. I have the biggest coolest awesome thing well howdy, partner uh, how's it going
0: uh are you, you're talking to me like that because of a movie not because of
1: Texas right nope what <laughs> cause I'm a cartoon character. Uh, Come to life. No. You got a big old uh, mustache, a big old Dude, Yosemite I don't know Sam. how people keep that voice up you can't, forever you and couldn't. ever. I would pass out. That would be awful. Oh, my gosh. So you
0: watched Bone Tomahawk. This is Sheriff Franklin Hunt. Identify yourself right now, or I'll shoot you dead. Here's a uh, situation. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm running out with Mr. O'Dwyer. As
1: will I. I've killed more Indians than everyone here put together. Ambush! Yeah, you seeing all this? We didn't know what it was like. We'll make sure all this has value. Ah!
0: I watched it on Sunday
1: yes finished it two days ago
0: and it was just like coincidence that we watched it around the same time
1: uh, sort of here's the weird thing is I don't have really proper internet so I can't like do video on demand and I have a red box but everything here is constantly out because we have one red box in this town. Oh wow. And so it takes it's like it takes like 6 months to see any movie regardless of how popular it is. So I am one of the few people in this town that understands how the library system works. Yeah. Libraries libraries have a certain amount of budget they have to spend a year. If they don't spend all that, the state cuts them back to that amount that they did spend. Do it again, lower, 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 and they, and they keep running out of money to use. So, what they need is for people to request things. So, you fill out forms... And they pay for them, whatever, and it's your tax money anyway, supporting the library. So why not use that library to get the movies, music, books you want to entertain yourself with? So I find myself entertained on two levels. A, I get the movies that I want to see that I can't find to rent in this town. Oh, by the way, this town is very, very religious, and none of the theaters will carry R-rated movies. What? Where are you? It uh, Lincoln City, Oregon. It is a town of nine thousand people, and it's very religious. Uh, Oh, but hold on. This town is also the second most violent city in Oregon.
0: That's what happens when you have repression.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lots of math. Lots of gambling. Just a tangent here. A
0: tangent here. Rated R movies. I'm not talking about the content necessarily now. Uh, I'm not talking about taste. I'm talking about... Rated R movies that have a certain level of violence or uh, depicted
1: sexuality. There is, actually they won't even the, they will not carry horror movies. Period. There not is PG thirteen. Okay,
0: horror movies from hard PG thirteen to R and NC seventeen. Whatever. Anything like that yeah, is catharsis. There's a positive reason for that stuff. Yes, it's catharsis. It's life affirming. Ultimately, especially if it's really well made and the story is good. Right. You're done with the movie. You have the white knuckles if it affects you like that and then you breathe and you're fine and maybe it took some of that negative energy from you that not not you not me but somebody might oh, no, apply it too. to you know beating <laughs> somebody in their family maybe it took that right. energy from them it's catharsis in a way Yes, it's proven it's science too
1: dang it but for some reason they don't listen to logic around here it's the irony is it's all about guns god and gambling guns god gun, and gambling wow that's a new movie so, so you, I you couldn't a get a hold
0: of it until Hill.
1: Uh, I the other level of entertainment is asking the library to buy the most bonkers movies. <laughs> I got them to buy Big Ass Spider, <laughs> uh, Everly, you know Joe Lynch's. Yeah, Everly. Everly's good. And uh, I got them to buy Bone Tomahawk. They have to find some sort of artistic reason to buy it. I don't know. I still don't understand how they found an artistic reason to buy uh, Big Ass Spider, but I don't care. I, I got it. And usually, even with them ordering it, it takes a while because someone will see it entered in the computer and put it on hold. And somehow, I was the first person on the list since I requested it and I didn't have to wait six months to get a movie. I'm going to tell you this. If I have to wait to see Star Wars it's going to be two years. It'll be years down the road before you, I could ever get that from the library. You, it's so, a bit rough.
0: So you're talking about the new Star Wars. You have seen it, right?
1: Oh yeah, I went to the theater and saw oh, that. Okay. But I'm just saying that's what how it works around here is it's such a small library and so many people use it but they don't understand that you can order what you want. So I ordered these obscure kind of off the beaten path, not major studio movies and that's how I got to see Bone Tomahawk.
0: That's that's cool. Were you influenced by Ben Rock in your decision to do it?
1: No, I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan and I could not control myself. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, okay. Calm down there. Um.
1: No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen every Kurt Russell movie. I've never seen Dreamer, which seems like really boring, but I will say this the trailer for Bone Tomahawk is one of the worst trailers I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, it's not in my good. Life. It's just like when
0: I saw the trailer, okay, this will lead to the Ben Rock thing. When I saw the trailer, I was just like, oh, okay. That's it. Like, oh, okay. It's yeah. the I was
1: like, oh, that's not going to sell. I can see why that went straight to well i think it was in like a few theaters but yeah i mean they uh, have to, yeah, it's mostly to one... be
0: considered for academy award or something and what's his name richard jenkins yeah he's getting a lot of nominations. that dude should get an academy award for this movie Holy let's crap. hold on for a second though yes Ben rock posted on his facebook page that the movie is not for the squeamish or something and then i was like hmm what does what does that mean and then i remembered and now this is getting into spoiler territory that oh oh i wait, read an on. article we
1: are going to spoil the crap out of the movie people so make sure you've seen
0: this first pause right now go see the movie come back at this point continue on I read this is the minor spoiler so I knew what to expect a little bit and it didn't go exactly the way that I expected because of the spoiler but um, in a brief article or a comment somewhere somebody said separately from the Ben Rock thing that it was like a western hills have I so I, I knew a little bit of what to expect but I didn't totally fully get I don't know spoiled or rewarded either one With the full brunt of the Hills Have Eyes formula, right? Yeah. So, all right.
1: Yeah, well, see, I have, I don't know how many people you are friends with on Facebook that are in the industry, but I would say it's probably a 50 50 shot with me. And it was like everybody within a couple weeks was bone tomahawk, bone tomahawk, bone tomahawk. I was like, all right, I better go get this. Yeah.
0: I'm not super deep into industry, guys. It's just Ben Rock and a few other guys. And Ben Rock was the only guy to make mention of it. it. Yeah. That's why I asked if you were influenced by it. uh, Because gotcha. LB saw that his, post as well she's my wife and she's friends with him too and she was like okay yeah let's give it a try (laughs) now are you a kurt russell fan i'm not a fan but i'm not a detractor I like the guy.
1: I, he's probably my favorite actor.
0: It's it's hard for me to be a fan of Van, just a fan. I like things a lot, and I I don't like things a lot, and there's some middle <laughs> ground somewhere around there. But to be a fan, a fanatic, I always uh, I always think of the root words, and so I always that's resist true. This using is true. We,
1: I had this discussion with someone. I am a strong admirer. Yeah, That's that still sounds wrong.
0: I'm sitting at your window. I'm a strong admirer. See, I am not a fan of Tom Cruise. However, the dude makes great movies. He does, right?
1: Oh, so I've never I will had such go. Conflict. Oh, Tom
0: Cruise hitched his name to that. The Mummy. Well, I yeah, guess the trailer. I'll know by the trailer. But his track record, as far as my taste goes, since the 2000s, whatever, has been ten great. bucks.
1: Ten bucks says he adds his name as a producer and backs away, and someone else stars in it. <laughs>
0: I will it'll not. Jer- I will not take it'll your probably bet. Probably be Jeremy Renner. I will yeah. not take your bet. But okay. <laughs> maybe He's done that before, I think. So anyway, point All is. Right, point is, uh, uh, a fan of. I, I, I'm. I guess more of a genre than an actor. But if an actor like Kurt Russell hitches his name up to Tarantino. Or some other thing, I might take notice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: So all right, so so people who are picking up Bone Tomahawk and don't know it's a horror movie, can you imagine? Yeah, because
0: it's a western. You no, know, I can say,
1: oh, I love the westerns. Oh, and I'm a big Kurt Russell fan. I love me some Tombstone. Twenty minutes into it, oh god!
0: Ah! Twenty minutes into it, you have you have. Well, no, it's just five, ten minutes into it, you have. Sid Haig getting taken yeah
1: it's but it's, it's not as bad as the it, it, it keeps getting worse as a ghost. it goes it does like at but first, it's, like, a, huh, it's that's such a, a slow bloody. burn
0: strangely yeah. it's a slow burn that doesn't feel boring
1: yeah, all? yeah, it's because of the dialogue. The dialogue and the characters carry this movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies where it understands that it's a low-budget movie, that it doesn't have a whole lot. Besides the characters in the dialogue, uh, the director, Z. E. Craig Zoller, if I said his name right, this is his first movie, but it's not the first thing he's written. He's, uh, he's, done, like, well, he's, he's done, like, what, four or five books? Huh. So he understands how to keep you entertained through the pages by developing the characters through dialogue. Yeah. So he brings that kind of way of making films. You know, that style is just... Just like you have to spend time with these people in order for you to care when it comes down to are they going to live or die. Right. Which horror movies do not usually do. In fact, the fact that all these are almost all the protagonists are male is also very unusual for a horror movie.
0: Right. Uh, well... You have uh, the wife, Lily Simmons. She's playing Samantha. She's awesome. I like her. She's in Banshee, and she had a moment in the first season of True Detective. So, yeah, she's cool. Um, she plays yeah. the wife, and she's, uh, she's a, like, a doctor? What is she? Right. She's, yep, she's, a she's a doctor. And there's another doctor in town, but she, like, fills in when he's a drunk. So her husband is a cowboy, an actual cowboy. Russell's cattle, and he broke his leg. Patrick Wilson. Enter the mix Matthew Fox as Bruder. He is a gunslinger, and he had designs on Samantha. But this is all context, like character development context, and it's done very well. It's just all, like you said, dialogue. What are you doing here, Bruder? I'm just here to fetch a doctor. All right, keep your eyes off my wife.
1: You know, stuff like that, and it's not as badly dialogued as that. No, no. And
0: the sheriff. What if
1: we what, what if we just did the entire movie right now, but did it completely monotone? <laughs> yes, I, it, make sure that you look out for the chocolate <laughs> The the worst table read ever.
0: The, uh, the, the sheriff,
1: Sheriff Hunt oh, is Kurt hold Russell. hold on. Oh, oh, I gotta interrupt you. I don't know why I thought this was hilarious. But take every overacted scene ever in a movie, and we'll just replay them, but, like, completely monotone. Like, anything that Al Pacino has ever done, it's just, uh, God is, uh, an absentee landlord. Uh.
0: I don't want your life. I don't want your life.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't want your life.
0: I don't want your life.
1: <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah.
0: I watched Teenagers from Outer Space the other night just to lull me to sleep, and one of the main actor guy has a very strange way of speaking, and it's kind of like that. No, don't go there. That's why I don't want you to die. No, really. <laughs> still t- <laughs> or
1: what if you took plan nine from outer space and took all the overacted sequences and played them down and then all the underacted sequences like go overboard with right them? oh god the ideas just barf out of me that are almost always terrible uh-huh <laughs> all right let's continue okay
0: so kurt russell's a sheriff richard jenkins is his deputy who is an old widower not,
1: not just a deputy the backup deputy. He's the he constantly referred to as the backup, backup deputy, deputy which is really which,
0: weird. Where's the other deputy? I guess he's drunk or something. Anyway, Chicory is his name, and he's an old guy, and he does his rounds. He just seems like he's a volunteer. Yeah. And he's an old guy who doesn't have much to do with his life anymore because his wife died. And This is all context. You, you get not spoon-fed to you. It's all organic. It's really, really good. So the director is a great writer. And then um, at the very beginning, you have Sid Haig and David Arquette as a couple of thieves and murderers killing some folks and then running off. They stumble upon a burial ground uh, and then one of them gets killed. David Arquette shows
1: up in town, is arrested. It's funny how David Arquette's career has changed because he uh, 15 years ago, he was a leading man in terrible studio movies. Now it seems like it's getting really hard for him to get any work, but if he focuses on being a character actor, things can yeah, change he's for he's good him in
0: this. He's because
1: really good. he's only in a small part of it, but he is the absolute driving mm-hmm. point of everything that happens later in the movie if he doesn't do what he does, then the rest of the movie doesn't Right. Happen. Actually, I'll say this about the director. The director really has an eye for character actors. He seems to enjoy casting people who are kind of under the radar. People you don't see very often in uh, what is intended to be a theatrical film. Uh, Sid Haig, uh, Sean Young, Michael Perret, Fred Melamed. Yeah, uh, that who's the guy Michael
0: James- Perret looks like a totally different guy. I, I couldn't it, recognize it, it, him. And I was like, wait, wait, but I knew something. I was like, that's, I know. Yeah. That, well, he's a lot beefier he's now. He's huge. And, and he's his face is different, but not like he's worked on. It's just like time has taken something and gone somewhere else within his hair's lighter, but I wanted yeah, him to well, do well, more. Well, he's
1: not... I'll say this. He is not fat. No, no, no. I, for the longest time, thought that he was heavy. No. And then I saw a picture of him about a year ago, and he is massive. Yeah, he's enormous. He's like... like I don't know why he's not in the Expendables, if they make a fourth one, because <laughs> he was an action yeah. guy, and he actually is... He's not a great actor. I'm a big fan of Michael Prey, but he is not a great actor. But he is a reliable actor. He's a guy who shows up? He's like a Robert Forster. Yeah. He does what he does and he does it well. He's always reliable. You never hear bad yeah, stories and, about and him. This, and that's why he gets this cast nothing, so often.
0: He just had a cameo where he showed up and he was told to shut up, which is awesome.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sheriff Hunt, what do you intend to do about my horses? They're not my priority right now. Those are my final. Quiet! Ask about horses again, I'll slap you red.
1: But here's the other one James Tolkien shows up, who I thought was dead. I thought he died years ago. You know, he's the principal from yeah. uh, Back to the Future. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He, yeah, 1931, that's when he was born. And he's a pianist. He's, he's got a really funny scene. Uh, we don't need to get into all the particulars. We need to get to the meat, though. No,
1: but 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 it kind of shows you that the director has an eye for people who kind of have been left behind. They're not hot properties so they don't get cast a lot. But he remembers these actors from when probably when he was a kid. And it would be the same thing if I uh, did a movie. I'd be constantly looking around for actors that I was like, they do good Where's Dick Miller? I haven't seen them in a while. Where's Dick Miller? Get me Dick Miller. Oh, my God. This movie needs Dick Miller. (laughs) (laughs) It needs more Dick. I mean uh, Miller. (laughs) Gosh. In the middle of
0: the night, while tending to David Arquette's wounds, or, yeah, 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 he got shot in the leg because the sheriff does that, Um, Samantha and David Arquette and uh, Deputy Nick, that's why there's a backup, right? Because Deputy Nick, they all get abducted, which leads on the quest, the quest to get them back. Her husband has a broken leg, but he insists on going. So it's Matthew Fox, Patrick Wilson, Kurt Russell, and Richard Jenkins riding horses.
1: By the way, I should say this. Do you, you know this movie was actually completely cast differently when it was first the first runaround?
0: I think so, but you talk. Tell me.
1: It was Peter Sarsgaard in Patrick Wilson's role. It was Timothy Oliphant in Matthew Fox's role. And it was Jim Broadbent in pa- uh, uh, Richard Jenkins' right, role. Right, Jim Broadbent. Yeah, I know
0: I know that part. I didn't know the other stuff.
1: I was just a huge Timothy Oliphant fan. Oh, Jennifer Carpenter. And um, I think the budget was $10 million. And if I remember reading the article correctly, the studio would not budge on how long it was going to be they wanted an hour and a half they wanted something they could easily sell in the theaters and they wanted to tone down the gore they wanted to make it more pg-13 because western tends to gear older and i think there was a fight over that for nearly a year so they went with a different financer and the budget went from like 10 million dollars to what it looks like on imdb and it still stuns me is the budget is 1.8 million dollars wow what I mean, there's not a lot of production value in this. A lot of it is out in the desert, and it is mostly dialogue, but you're still like, how did they get this cast? I mean, the, right there, you think that would be the $1.8 million.
0: You know, our dream Punisher, uh, Michael Wincott, was considered for yeah. Sid Hagg's role.
1: Forgot about that. He's yeah. your dream Punisher? Yeah, well,
0: I had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine about this. Yeah, imagine him in the early 90s mid 90s as the punisher and he would have been perfect it would have been perfect the grizzled voice and and he plays it hard and strong as opposed to uh, second fiddle it would be he would be a great punisher think about it if luke besson took the punisher and did it yeah that would be michael wincott would be a really great punisher
1: mine would have been walter hill and johnny mesner as the Punisher, who Johnny Mesner. He was a. He hasn't been in a whole lot. <laughs> uh, he was in the. He was in the second Anacondas movie. He was in Running Square. Uh, Scared. Oh, I know um, who that guy is. Yeah, yeah. He looks he like always, the Punisher. He's he a, always he,
0: plays. uh oh, He always plays terrible tough. guys. But I I see what you're saying. He's got the brawn for it too. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, Wincott was gonna be um, Sid Hague's guy, but this movie is not wholly unremarkable because it is completely remarkable in its storytelling craft its cinematography is nice nice enough anyway a lot of it's shot at night
1: a shot in santa monica of all places. yeah i not it, santa monica perhaps, um i think it, malibu, it malibu. It was shot
0: in the back lot of uh, paramount for a while and then that's a, the western town i believe but once they get to the cave oh boy oh the movie changes
1: no, it's like yeah, it's uh, it, everything that happens to so the minute they get to where the troglodytes. These are the villains, people. Troglodytes, not Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, um, they're
0: they're like um, inbred, constantly inbreeding. Yeah. It's like eugenics. It's like it's like what the Nazis wanted to do, but without the sterility and science behind it. I mean, yeah, science is a method of investigation and science. application. So, yeah, these troglodytes were actually. Effectively applying science, but I doubt that they actually um, like Considered it that I think they just considered it kind of magic we do this to this it equals this yeah, so without articulating it so oh, Did you see the pregnant ladies?
1: Yeah, the movie's not over dude. There's gonna be a sequel You know it. Oh my it. god, they're still alive
0: those pregnant ladies man. Did you you saw them right?
1: Uh, you're talking. Well, we were jumping ahead. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But you're trying at the end of the movie, right? Uh, yeah,
0: you're, you, 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 didn't, you didn't like sidestep that, like, and not pay attention, get a drink or something. You saw that.
1: No, nope, I. Oh saw my it. god. I knew it, and I was like, uh But it's hard to say. These, these are these are proper gentlemen, even though they've gone through hell. They're they're proper people, and they're like, well, uh, I, they're asleep. They're pregnant. Those are babies. They might still have a chance, and not <laughs> to be freak shows. <laughs> I
0: would be compelled to just off them. I know, I know!
1: But if you look at it, look at this. Uh the simple fact is everything started because David Arquette's character went onto their land, disrupted their burial ground, so they felt it was kind of an invasion, and they came to get him because to them that is an absolute crime he must be taken. But witnesses. Also they did take they, they took witnesses, but why did they take the witnesses? Why didn't they just leave them? I mean, it's not like they could trail them back. And who gave a shit about David Arquette's character? So they are evil. Yeah. And it's it's hard to argue the fact that they need to be stopped because you know no, Bone Tomahawk 2 is just around the corner. The Children's Revenge. I
0: don't think so. I think this is a perfectly wrapped up one thing.
1: Oh, no. It'll be set. See, now there has to be a lot more villains because that's how sequels are. They always go with more. So they're going to take time to make more mutant babies. So it's going to take a few decades. So you're going to find yourself in the roaring 20s and gangsters going into the hills, taking out those cannibals. Ah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I can see them doing uh, literally like what they tried to do with Hills Have Eyes 2, which is sending a military regiment after them. I can see them sending cavalry.
1: Send, send the guys that survived at the end of Ravenous <laughs> and have it like a crossover.
0: <laughs> right, okay, so you brought it to Ravenous, thank you. Uh, David Arquette was in another... <laughs> cannibal movie oh cannibals the bad guys the troglotites are cannibals and uh ravenous
1: very much ravenous so, oh which they're is brutal they're
0: absolutely brutal I think ravenous is my favorite western i think it is so good ravenous and it is a, we- a vampire western maybe vampire cannibal sort western of, so. wendigo cannibal western there's cannibalism in it somewhere you yes. guys should watch it any, everybody should watch it. It's amazing. And David Arquette has a crazy role in it. And here he he's... I love his acting in this. It's not crazy. He was younger when he did the crazy things. So he like like, uh, you can be crazy. So he's well, crazy. Well, he's,
1: he's much more controlled now. He's I don't so know if you've ever seen a subtle. movie called... Have you seen The Grey Zone? No, I haven't. It's about concentration camps. And nope. it is his greatest performance ever. And nobody saw it. And it would have changed his career if people had noticed. Um, it is truly heartbreaking, and uh, at no point is he hammy. And it's like he decided one night just to change his entire style.
0: That's awesome. Except I don't want to see another Holocaust I know, movie. I know, I know.
1: It's a feel-bad. It's a feel-bad movie. Yeah, that's that's it.
0: I don't want to ignore. I'm not a, an apologist or a, a person who rewrites history in my own mind. Yeah, it happened. I don't yeah. want to. Experience vicariously through a movie
1: what happened. That's not catharsis for me. (laughs) Bone Tomahawk is also a feel bad movie. There are scenes I have never once in my life gotten up during a movie to go closer to the screen out of shock and horror. I found myself, like it, how people do with baseball games, like when the Cubs are so close to getting to the World Series, and it's the ninth inning, and I'm stressing out, and I get up, and I walk to the screen like, ah, oh, come on, just get it! stop screwing up every year! Right,
0: and okay.
1: I, 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 so I see certain things that happen in this movie that shock me. I get up out of my chair, and I walk closer to the television as if that is going to help things. I, I'm so pulled in. <laughs> this... This has never happened with a movie before, but the brutality was insane, and, and the shocks. I mean, just the simple fact that they're sitting out there, he's looking through the binoculars, and he's like, okay, I think we're ready, all of a sudden they're all nailed by arrows. Matthew Fox, who you That's think
0: amazing. is That's amazing. That was amazing. The two,
1: people, the two people who you think are going... Spoilers, we already warned you. The two people who you think are going to survive, and the two who are going to die... It is the exact opposite. You got an old man, Richard Jenkins, playing older than he really is, doing an amazing job. He's so good. Uh, I think he, I think he's actually quite a bit younger than Kurt Russell, but maybe a decade younger, and he's playing him um, uh, much older. You know, he's got his hunched over, his, his voice, his mannerisms. The makeup helps. Are any of you somnambulists? That's private. I need sleep sleepwalk. Oh, no, I don't. I don't Me neither. No. Sleep with your guns nearby and you shoot anything that rings a bell. Could be an innocent animal, somebody lost. Our horses are hobbled. Any animal that comes at us is a predator. Any person that approaches a camp in the dark without identifying themselves is a criminal or a savage. You hear it jingle, point your gun and shoot. I'll probably beat you to the draw, but... Don't count on me to save you.
0: Let it go. I can't. Hey. Hey! You watch how you speak to the law, sheriff
1: especially. You aren't captain. No. I'm the most intelligent man here, and I intend to keep us alive. Oh, you're the most intelligent man here. Is that a fact? It is. Sheriff Hunt has a wife. So does Mr. O'Dwyer. And you're a widower. Yeah. What has that got to do with anything? Smart men don't get married.
0: And Oh, by the way, wait, 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 wait. If you're familiar with Richard Jenkins, he plays in Step Brothers. He's the father in Step Brothers. And he's... Got this obvious. There's a. It's a Richard Jenkins style, and he does this in all those comedies that he's in, and even serious yes. stuff. He has a way of delivering lines that he totally yes, doesn't amazing. do in this movie. He does. Oh, by the way, completely speaking of the lines. Hold on. He does a completely, oh. co- wholly different way of Richard Jenkins. I've it's never strange, seen Richard Jenkins. It? It's amazing. I've never seen him do this kind of acting. My wife even Uh, tweeted that he should be awarded some sort of award
1: for it. Yeah, his dialogue with Kurt Russell is actually pretty funny. It's not laugh out loud like, ha, 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 but it's like, oh, that's really, you know, it's like nice. He
0: ultimately is the comic relief in the film. Yeah. It's honest comic relief. I have a friend who to oh. me he's one of the funniest people in the world and it's not because we're laughing at him. It's he's kind of adorable in his mannerisms and how he speaks and says things. And it's just fun to be around him for just him and how he speaks. Yeah. And what he does, and that's how Richard Jenkins' character played. He, there, you can't be mad at him, even if you're telling him to shut up. You're not mad.
1: He is one of the finest uh performances in this movie. Filled with great performances, even the small, small bits are pretty good. Patrick Wilson is probably the greatest horror hero, hero, not heroine, since Hills Have Eyes. And like I said, it's rare that there's a male protagonist. In horror movies, Mm -hmm. especially if he's not like the action guy, he's the guy who, with a broken leg, no matter what, he is going to get his wife, even though he knows for a fact. Oh, he's crawling
0: over the. He he says,
1: "This is where it all went
0: sideways." He looks at the opening where all the other guys got hit by arrows and goes, "This is where it went bad." Yeah, and turns and goes to the left, and he's crawling. He just drags himself, dude. Rips that thing out of the guy's throat.
1: Yeah, how did he even figure that out, though? That's the one thing that bugged me, is because how did he figure out that was where it was, what it is, and how to use it?
0: Uh, didn't he see the guy yell?
1: Guess if you could figure that out after one yell.
0: Well, it's totally otherworldly. I think maybe that might be just a a moment for the audience. Like, obviously, they can't yell that way, so there's got to be something augmenting them. Yeah. And it's true. Some surgically embedded bone whistle in the throat so things go south you were saying arrows to everybody except yeah. for him he's got a broken leg and he's 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 straggling far behind this is how he doesn't get killed
1: so they automatically up. the first person to go down is the one who's like the hot shot the that's fast with guns accurate he's young in his prime and everything Well young in yeah, comparison Fox. yeah it's and they take him out almost off. immediately like so
0: fast he like throws the rock to signal them come on it's clear goes in and then they're full-on attacked again. Or was that the arrow part?
1: Yeah, that's the arrow part. But then okay. it's after that. They run away, and they end up getting... I thought Richard Jenkins was dead. I really thought he was dead when they hit him in the head because I thought they, like, you know, chopped him in the head. Uh, oh, they
0: did. That's his bone. That's his skull flapped open. Oh, that's from the arrow. That's,
1: sc- that's from the arrow. That's when they knocked the, well, the arrow knocked the hat off of his head.
0: But he, it looked like he had this flap of skin removed Maybe. on his forehead. And it was just his bone exposed. And yeah. it just... Ugh. skull. I'm anyway.
1: saying it. I'm saying to that not knowing what's uh, what we're going to talk about yeah. next. <laughs> oh, that's nothing So, compared. So
0: Fox gets his hand chopped off and it, it, that was confusing at first.
1: That was an editing th- issue. I, ha- I had to rewind it watch it again rewind it watch it again because the editing didn't show exactly what had happened.
0: Uh, what I saw was the bone tomahawk, which is a jawbone of an ass or something, sharpened. So sharp that it cuts through anything super fast. So the bone tomahawk Slices his wrist, and all I thought was that his wrist was sliced until the editing showed seconds later that it was actually his hand was cut off, and the bone tomahawk is still on the ground. Yeah, and yeah, so he ties that off and gets some dynamite and promptly gets killed,
1: which is never used, <laughs> which is another surprising moment. You assume, oh, he's gonna take out a couple guys that at least you know he'll go out heroically taking out some bad guys with dynamite. Nope, not a single stick got used.
0: Now, this tactic of uh, the hero gets killed first has been done many times right there's a movie called feast well Kurt, Everybody, Russell, Kurt Russell is you the wanna, hero yeah sure but you you, you guys want to survive this crazy thing that's happening you'll listen to me Viggo Mortensen in daylight that was an earlier version of it yeah the like I mentioned feast and then he's immediately taken out of the window and Fitten into the monsters feast.
1: feast. Oh, right, right. And then uh, there's uh, Deep Blue Sea. Samuel Jackson. Middle yeah. Of Samuel Jackson.
0: <laughs> shark Bite. So this thing has happened, but it, it always happens in a very grandstanding kind of way. And this, there was no grandstanding. There was no like. It's the guy knows the master of subtlety. This director. I wonder what else he's gonna do.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. I want to read his novels, and I don't this read. Very. <laughs> I, no, I, I rarely ever read fiction. I usually read nonfiction or comic books because fiction is so in-depth, I find myself, like, my attention span is so short that I'm, like, 30 pages in going, oh, God, just stop subscribing in the bathtub. I get it already.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, as far as reading stories go, like, uh, I like Chuck Palahniuk because he gets to the point. Um, stuff like that. Douglas Adams is fun and funny, so, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm not a big reader like that either. Uh, but I do read all the time. I read articles all the time. And that's, like, as far as you can get to true life as possible. So, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> what you just said. Nonfiction. Handoff, he dies immediately. And then the heroes are abducted, too. Fast. So what we have now is we have a lone, broken leg cowboy.
1: Who has an infection that's going to kill him if he doesn't get it taken care of. He's yeah. going to get gangrene. Yeah. So blood so poisoning something.
0: Along. You know, the whole time I was like, just pick up some dirt and rub it in your wound. Just do that. It's actually a thing that... I believe is correct to do if you have a wound like that. Anyway, it'll hurt though, but it'll stop the bleeding. Yeah, he's crawling, figures something out, calls a couple of them, takes a few out. They, what was that stuff that they have the um, opium?
1: Right. The, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. The uh, opium or laudanum. It, it's uh, sure something it's opium, of though. opium is what they
0: kept on calling it. Um, it's a flask full of it and that this is how they helped Patrick Wilson's character. Kurt Russell and Jenkins are, are acting like... It, Give me some, man Give me me some of that (laughs) It's so good Come on, my turn Wait No, give me some Stop drinking it all And so the troglodytes Notice that they have something That they desire So the troglodytes are like Hey, give it to us So they do and that stuff, first swig'll kill a guy. Next guy is gonna take a little bit less because there's less. Third guy, he's not gonna take enough to hurt him. And that's exactly what happened. And they devise this uh, because Lily is a doctor and she's also smart. Lily Simmons, Samantha. But uh, the big, the big, big horror, the big horror, horror. horror. Oh,
1: the barf scene. <sighs> barf Deputy sequence. Nick. Deputy Initial. Nick
0: is a handsome young man. He knows how to do his job. Except, damn it, man, he got. Okay, let's preface this. Have you ever been to Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament?
1: Uh, I've been to the one that's like it in Vegas. Did
0: they have a sort of museum of torture? No. Good God, no. What? So... Before you go into the actual, this is in Southern California, before you go into the actual area where you get to eat and sit and eat at the benches and whatever and eat your chicken and flagons of whatever, there's this area that has a medieval torture museum. And here you see things uh, like the Iron Maiden, which is actually made up. It was never used.
1: Run to the hills. Shut up. Run for your life. Shut your mouth.
0: (laughs) I'm not a metal fan. Thanks. (laughs) There's something called the pear. Now, I'm I'm just building up. I'm just building up to this thing, this other thing. But the pear is something that's inserted into a a rectum or a vagina Ah, or a mouth. And it's hand cranked Ah. and it's got three or four pieces that when the crank is cranked corkscrew style it opens up so this would be inserted into a cavity let's just say the mouth insert into the mouth and it opens up so it forces your mouth open beyond what it should so it's horrible right but that's a torture thing and you would hope for death and that's why people got convictions out of that they're false convictions that's what all these torture methods Marvel. That's right, kids. A family entertainment show, Right? It totally was. And I was, yep. I, I was a, a young teen seeing this stuff, and I was just like, huh? But then there's a, a wood etching print of a man hanging upside down by his ankles, and two men on either side of him, and they have a saw. Uh... And it's a drawing, so it's basically medieval cartoons. But the saw is between the man's legs, and they are cutting into him, but it's only, like, the beginning of cutting into him.
1: Okay, dude, is there... Is it possible to get a rating on a restaurant? Can, can there be an R rating <laughs> for medieval times? Yeah. that.
0: So, that was just, like, a, this is something that they did. And it was actually a method of execution, not torture. They would hang people upside down in medieval England or... France or wherever that barbarism was, and people would just go out and, that man is a serial murderer, but says he's a werewolf. We caught him. Hang him upside down, or pin him to a wheel, and start hacking at his limbs. Horrible, horrible thing. People, ugh, horrible mentality. So, something like that happens in this film, and they do not take the camera away from
1: it. Oh no! I, st- I what is this rated? Still rated R? Because yeah, that was well. Right.
0: It, it's it's tame until ah. the hand is cut off, and it's yeah. not rated.
1: Oh, huh. I didn't realize they could still do that. But if it, uh, it, you know, if it went to theaters, I thought it was required to have rating. But you know what? MPAA is kind of corrupt anyway, so screw it. Yeah, up. still.
0: Ugh, the deputy gets cut down the center, just like I said. Except instead of using a saw, they have another bone tomahawk that they're just sawing into his junk and
1: through his guts yeah. and his guts fall out and he just... Now, I've seen this in a movie before, twice. Uh, Kingsman just did it last year and there's a movie called US Seals 2 where the finale is they take a samurai sword and chop the guy in half. Yeah. But, they do it in a stylized way. They do it in a silly think, way, right? It's Yeah, it's like a special effects, like, wow, look at this insane moment. This is not insane, this is not wild, this is not expected to make you go, huh? Cool. It's incredibly but It brutal. is. It's just... It is. It reminds me of Fulci. How Fulci would handle gore is to Make you truly, truly horrified at seeing the flesh tear what is one of the most horrifying things you'll ever, ever see in your life. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Was there decapitation? Enough, uh,
1: yes, but we're not to that yet. Uh, even though that one was truly horrifying, but what really, really made me get up and go close to the television is what happened next. Is because of the opium. You know, the first couple of guys, well, one dies, one gets sick, and the big guy, the big, big honking yeah. dude, who I actually thought was going to die because he drank the most, he comes in and they grab Kurt Russell, they pull him out, they cut his ribs open, and they shove the opium bottle. As it's burning hot in yeah, the fire. Yeah, they they pulled
0: out out of it, from the fire that they they had like dismissed. Dismissively, thrown the bottle into the fire pit, which is just between the two cages that they have them in. It's just yeah, been they, sitting they there,
1: that into. getting oh. red hot,
0: basically. And the guy picks it up and just shoves it into his rib cage.
1: And that was the moment that was like, <laughs> a, it was original. I've never seen anything like that. B, the brutality of this is a very brutal. They're not just cannibals; they are brutal. They want to hurt yeah. badly it's... for just whatever reason, entertainment or that's just how they do things. When they shove into him, whatever, and they just sit there and watch him, see how he handles it or whatever. And then they decide they're going to do other stuff to him. That was one of the moments that just made me get up and go, what?
0: Yeah, it's just the worst. <laughs> it's so bad and sad. and
1: Yeah, so we're getting to the end of the movie. You know, it's Patrick Wilson basically crawling for I don't know how many miles. You know, hobbling so... and crawling, trying to get...
0: It was like four yeah, days just, away. It was about four days away when they were abducted. The area yeah. where... When their horses were taken, they were about two days in. And then by walking, they finally got there. So you can say he probably crawled, hobbled for three days. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, three. If he's that far behind, yeah. Yeah. I would say that.
1: So basically, you're watching this guy go through, no matter what, to save his wife. It doesn't matter if he lives or dies. I don't think he cares. It's it's his love and honor to somehow try, at least, to save her. And, you know, we're getting to the end of the movie where, you know, Kurt Russell has somehow found a way to, through distraction of the gunshots that Patrick Wilson's killing the other guys, he chops off the big guy's foot. Oh, right. And chops then, the uh, front the guy, of his foot off f-
0: by, by use yeah. of the bone tomahawk, right?
1: And that's when the decapitation comes in because he just hammers and hammers with every inch of life that he has left in him hammering away at this guy's neck and takes it off and basically they escape but he is left behind because he knows he's toast he's been shot in the ribs he's had his uh, ribs
0: cut open and the flask put in he's got yeah he's actually he's been shot as well because the big guy was trying to figure out how to use a Remington
1: what I like about Kurt Russell is that he's handled each decade differently of his career you know uh the 70s he's the just the you know the young new kid in the Disney movies in the 80s he uh balanced out every genre but he was always kind of uh, the funny guy you know he's always had like a wise ass remark to say the 90s he became like the the leader yeah. the military guy you know the the fire strong like uh, a, the,
0: what is a lantern jaw you know
1: yeah he's basically the um the modern day superhero you know of that time He stopped the jokes. And then in uh, the 2000s are a little bit less for him because I think after Soldier bombed so badly... And he had broken. He had broken his foot during filming. That he kind of just took time yeah. off, you know, and decided to be a dad. And then you see that reflected in the movies he made in that next decade, or so where he is a dad. Now it seems like he is an elder statesman. The movies he's been doing lately, like Art of the Steel and uh, um, this movie, and I have not seen Hateful Eight, but I imagine that it's a little bit different. He's trying out completely different. Well, I'll tell things you, that, like, it's the exact same 80s. facial
0: hair. So yeah. he did well. The grow, movies it takes that long to grow. He it. did the movies probably back to back. So one must. Is the same in both movies. Yeah, I think he's a bit more wintry in Hateful Eight. Like he has more scruff around his mustache, but mm-hmm. it's the same. And that movie's completely different dialogue style. And two westerns back to back, and they're both confront you, and you don't really know how to feel about. Well, this one is actually a lot more conventional in the journey, the hero's journey. Yeah, but uh, through the brutality of the villains you really don't know how to feel I can't recommend oh Hey, Dad, you like Kurt Russell Western movies.
1: Oh, no, this is a very niche, a very particular <laughs> audience that is very open-minded, but also can stand the fact that it's long, the fact that it spends so much time with the characters, and then it hits you, just hits you so hard at the end. This is a movie, actually, I would say, for true filmmaking fans who understand how to make um, a non-studio movie, one that uh, gives everything they need to the actors, doesn't overwhelm you with anything fake. There's, an, I don't think there's a single... Shot of CGI. If it is, it's very well done. And before,
0: before uh, any progressive folks out there think that this is just a damsel in distress flick it's not no not even the, the lady is a strong character that's set up from the beginning
1: yeah just because you're captured does not mean you're weak it's just a circumstance that you're stuck in no matter how tough you are i mean look at kurt russell he's supposed to be the hero of it and he gets captured yeah. as well
0: so they get out they make it out now we're going to talk about the pregnant ladies yes. how the troglodytes breed is they captivate they captivate they're so captivating yeah is um they capture ladies or maybe they're just their kin they don't get that far into it but they cut off their legs and their arms and they gouge their eyes out now not just gouging their eyes out they just take pegs and they push their eyes in, and they leave the pegs there, and they keep those women
1: pregnant. Um, I missed all of this. I did not notice this whatsoever. Holy crap.
0: You didn't see that part.
1: Nope. I saw Richard is holding a rock in his hand, and uh, I thought he was going to bash their heads in. I was like, is he going to kill him or not kill him? Oh, they're not. And that's it. That's all I noticed. Holy crap. What?
0: (laughs) See, this is why I was, like, on about that earlier. Yeah, there were stumpy ladies with big pregnant bellies and pegs that are, I'm assuming, would be about six inches jabbed into their eyes. So four (laughs) inches or five inches of those pegs are sticking out of their heads. And there's two of those women and they're pregnant and wobbling around, like moving around. It's either like a prosthetic makeup job or they have an animated, uh, like uh, animatronics going on. But holy crap. What? The cutting in half. And then that. Yeah, those troglodytes. BUGH! Noises!
1: More like troglodytes, jerks. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, jerks too nice. Jerks is such a gentle word for them.
1: Huh, you know what kills me? That this was gonna be a mini-sode, but we found so much to talk about. Yeah. It <laughs> was longer than a normal episode. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, oh, right I, I suggest it if yes, you're totally. if you're
0: a person who really does like westerns. Sure, if you're a person who really does like movies and you're let's just say this would be an NC-17 film based on violence, but yeah. it's not and it's not a Rob Zombie type of violent film. I'm gonna um, say this. this is
1: the first horror western that I actually liked. They've done it's not a big genre thing that you see there's probably maybe a dozen at most but i think most of them suck and this one's actually uh very very good
0: you didn't like ravenous uh
1: i don't for some reason in my mind that's not a western i don't know what that is it's like the way it, the revenant to me is in a western it's oh, like uh well it I, it, uh, it is set in the same exact it is time i don't, I don't frame, know what it is right it's the it's same just cause I don't time see no frame, cowboys,
0: but it's you know? not it's not you know Dusty deserts and stuff. It's yeah. up in the mountains. So
1: that's like Jeremiah Johnson to me isn't a western. It's just like a uh, survivalist. Uh, Grizzly Adams survivalist. It's it's like a whole different. It's like a mini genre of western gotcha. that I never even
0: noticed. Gotcha. Keyword search, it would say western, but I understand what you're saying. So yeah, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Uh. I'm gonna go throw
1: up now. So like, <laughs> thank you, everybody.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Goodbye.